Good morning, everyone. Good afternoon. If it's afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time zone. I'm Dr. Blom. Welcome to a doctor and lawyer walk into a podcast. It is September 29, 2023. With me, as always, excellent friend, genius, genius attorney, gentleman and a scholar, Sean Esquire. How the heck are you? Howdy, Dr. Blom. Good morning. It's early on a Friday. Semi-early. Shabbat Shalom. To Israel and, and everyone, Shabbat Shalomming today. Uh, I Is am, today uh, Shabbat Shalom day? It's it's Friday. It's get your, oh. get, your get your Shabbat Shalom on. Uh, I am going to apologize in advance if I'm a little loopy. Um, on nighttime hours, uh, working a lot. Also, that's a little. That's I say that's a little bit why. That's uh that's mostly why. Uh, we're a little bit behind on schedule, which is fine. We don't have to, uh, you know, we're not trying to smother you with, uh, with right. potting all the time. We want to bring the quality each time. Yeah, it's not about, it's not about just quantity cranking it out all the time. But yeah, we will <laughs> be cranking, cranking it out as much as, as much as possible. Sorry, uh, a little busy, uh, busy this time. I, as, uh, as you know, from last episode, had a great vacation and if you're like me, then uh, after vacation comes the uh, hit the floor running, which is what I've been doing. So uh, a little uh, a little sleep deprived, which is good. A, l- a little bit loopy goes a long way. And yeah. you, you can't see it right now, but uh, Sean Esquire and I both got, well, Sean Esquire had it first. I've got this awesome, awesome beer mug because uh, Sean Esquire had one and it looked amazing. This is a, a leader it's a big that is that is a big boy, so high five to the Paul Honor people for doing that. We're getting a little a little ahead of ourselves on on uh, beer of the week, so uh, uh, yeah, loving loving the beer mug. We got a little bit of follow up, a little bit of uh, really not so much mea copa, just some just some follow up. Sean Esquire, can you uh, can you drive on follow up for now? Yeah, um, first off, so my wife doesn't kill me. I have to give a shout out to my mother in law. She has started listening to our podcast, Dr. Blom, and I haven't got an official review from her yet, but, uh, you know, new listener, I'm sure she's going to love us. So, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of feedback uh, from ladies and they say, oh, yeah. They, yeah, they listen to the podcast and uh, it makes their hair shiny and manageable. Uh, mm. A lot of voluminous. People, yeah. Uh, just uh, the skin, like really. Just the, you know how women are like, oh, my pores, whatever. Are pores supposed to be uh, tiny? It makes yeah. your pores, the pores are just fantastic. It makes the pores great, whatever they're supposed to, whatever pores are supposed to do. Uh, so I've heard a, a lot of, um, some people have said, saved my marriage. I've heard that a lot regarding. I have, regarding I've heard that too. Dr. Lloyd yeah. walking to the podcast. I've heard, um, makes me Ex- want to be a better person. I hear a lot mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So yep. all around everybody, thank you, thank you for all of the uh, compliments. Oh, and uh, hello to uh, new friends. I'm sorry I didn't say anything earlier. I'm uh, I'm bouncing around over here. I promise I'm going to get centered and centered. I'm 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 in this great like sleep deprived. I'm trying to jump from the coffee into into the beer mode. So perfect. But yes, thank you, uh, new friends, new listeners. Thank you for joining us. Uh, very excited on this episode. We have big, big things. Um, got a follow up, follow up here on India, Doctor Blom. You had mentioned it. Uh, you know, they landed on the moon, and now they want to go to the sun. 
And so India has launched the Aditya L1. It's their solar observatory platform. Do they have uh, some? They have some. Uh... Some cabins on the sun now? Do they they set up shop? Well, that's a, they're not going sun. all the way to the sun. They're going one percent of the distance from the Earth to the sun. Okay, that doesn't really sound like a sun mission to me. So, for those who don't speak Sanskrit, uh, Aditya means the sun. Um, so they're going to position this thing. It, this launched on September the second of this year. It's going to take 110 days to reach its destination point. And then it's got to do some maneuvering out in space. So it's going to be about 127 days total until it gets there, maneuvers, points its correct direction, and starts its orbit. And it will be out there for a little over five years uh, studying Studying the sun, you know. Getting, getting sun samples. They're going to get that lander down there on the sun and get some sun samples to bring back. That'll be nice. Why Why is it so hot? Um, <laughs> things like that. So the total cost on this thing, Dr. Blom, do you have any estimates of what you think this costs? So India was very proud of itself on its on its supposed moon mission that they had done it like way below. I think that they, they were they had said, oh, this our moon mission costs less than, you know, some of the houses in America. So I'm going to guess on India, they're... India's shoestring budget, $20 million. 3.78 billion rupees. Okay, yeah, those are rupees. <laughs> so $46 million. Okay, that's pretty good. I think as far as sun missions go, that's a that's a bargain sun mission, I would I think. I don't know what the going rate on, on going to the sun is. That sounds pretty reasonable. Yeah, I'm sure a bulk of that cost is probably due to, like, sunscreen. Um, Mm. Because you've got to reapply that stuff about every six hours when you're in the sun. I bet you, like, the back part of the rocket is 90% popcorn, like, unpopped popcorn. And as it gets closer to the sun, then the popcorn pops. And then that saves fuel right there. So that's just... That's just common sense. That's good. That's good economic, you know, got to pinch every rupee you can pinch. That's, that's what they say. Well, that's a, that old saying about a pinching the rupees. Uh, so <laughs> namaskar to uh, to India friends, uh, Sati Haru. I apologize. My, my uh, Hindi is not what it used to be. And good luck on your mission to the sun. If that's what you're really doing up there. And uh, good, good luck. So those poor astronauts, they're going to so much sunburn on them very hot very hot (laughs) just a g-string mission they're just in a g-string the whole time (laughs) (laughs) one space helmet and a g-string this mission it was probably sponsored by a sunblock for for bazillion or whatever (laughs) good good luck india uh we got some follow-up on the electric chair so we had talked about Sacho and Vanzetti's trial and them getting executed by the electric chair. And, 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 I and Leon Sholgosh, the guy that assassinated McKinley, he got he yeah. got the shock. And I'm the first to admit, I don't know everything about everything. So I don't know how the electric chair works. I mean, obviously they strap you in it and flip a switch. and It's, it's shocking. It, it, it pumps things through your body. So I didn't know what's watts, volts, amps, what kills you. So wattage, what is wattage? 
uh, it's the volts multiplied by the amps. Um, and I, I don't want to do math today, man. Oh, yeah, so to make it simple, the electric chair <laughs> invented in the 19th century by William Kemmler, uh, the alternating current passes through the human body between 2,000 and 2,200 volts at 7 to 12 amps for two to two and a half minutes. Um, they give you two jolts. The first one is to stop brain functioning, and then they become unconscious, and then the second one basically melts your organs. Yeah, not a, not a great way to go. I think the olden, like the first generation electric chairs, they would stick their feet in water, or they would Ooh. like just douse them in water so that the, the current would go through. Yeah. Uh, so I forgot. It was the not the volts that kill you. It's the amps, something like that. That's what I thought, but I guess it's 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 the current. It's the volts times the amps. The joules. What about the joules? Because like when we when you fire up an AED, to, to I bet it fries it. those too. I mean, you get you get that. The second one melts your joules. <laughs> it's gonna melt something. That's for sure. All right, that's a that's electric chair. And did we have anything else on follow up? I can't remember. The curse of Tippy Canoe. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How can we forget? I'm sorry. I think I forgot twice. And actually, this is an interesting one. So I didn't know what the curse of Tippy Canoe was, um, but apparently it was this 20 year curse. It's an urban legend about the deaths of in-office presidents of the United States who were elected in years divisible by 20. A lot of math today. Yeah. Um, so no, that, one's, to that, the, one's, that one's good. That one's, that one's good. Yeah, according to the legend, Ten Squatawa, the leader of the Native American tribes that were defeated in 1811 at the Battle of Tippecanoe uh, by a military expedition led by Harrison, had cursed the Great White Fathers and since 1840, eight presidents have died in office. Seven of them were elected in years divisible by 20. So William Henry Harrison died in 1840. Well, he's Lincoln. the one that started it. The, yeah, the he, Indian yeah. He the started Indian guy. it. I can't remember the name of the Indian guy. Um, but yeah, so he... so William, Native American. Sorry, Native American. Sorry, everyone. The well, They called them Indians back then. I was trying to be historically accurate, uh, albeit offensive. I didn't want confusion uh, I, with the solar uh, mission. Yes, correct. Uh, Native Americans. Uh, so uh, William Henry Harrison was at that battle, or he led that battle. And then the Native American guy, whose name I always forget, he was like the head the head dude, the head shaman guy. And he was like, oh, one, two, three, curse. And then there was a curse. And mm -hmm. then, yeah. So uh, I think a lot of historians have gone back and they're like, well, it's not, it doesn't really work out. But the, you know, number one, it's a great, it's a great urban legend. It's a lot of fun. And then, uh, yeah. So you had everybody from, it's the 1840 Harrison, Lincoln, 60 Garfield, 1880 McKinley, 1900 Harding, 1920 Roosevelt, 1940 JFK, 1960, 63. But, well, the election, it's the election year, not the death year. Oh, they're going by the election. Okay. Well, yeah. that's, yeah. and then, and then two were elected, you know, 1980 was Ronald Reagan and George mm -hmm. W. Bush in 2000, and they did not die in office. So, so supposedly Reagan broke the curse. We did something between 1960 and 1980 that broke the curse of Tippy Canoe, And I don't know what that was. 
how about Native American rights? Could have been. The country has kind of, you know, started healing in the right direction, maybe. And that's that, you know, after a certain time. Or, you know, curses are not, you know, they're not a type A personality. Curse kind of does its thing. It's like, all right, that's enough presidents. I don't have to kill every president every 20 years, you know. So mm-hmm. curses Probably are. Get tired. They uh, slacking off, slacking off on curse. They don't make curses like they used to anymore. But yeah, that was the story I heard way back when was that Reagan broke the curse. And then there was all this, there's all this stuff online about Nancy Reagan that she apparently was into, uh, into uh, like seances and things like that. So she had seances at the white house. She did weird, weird, like hippie, you know, cause they were, they were living in California for a while. So way back when I heard a story about, Oh, Nancy Reagan did these seances or whatever in the white house and then something, whatever they hocus pocus, boom, curse gone. So Reagan got shot or Reagan was like just such such a badass that like uh oh you can try to shoot me but uh I'm gonna live. Yeah that, that guy that guy got out by the way. Oh John John Hinckley, the guy that shot Reagan. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. He's out and about. <laughs> He's a free man. <laughs> He's <laughs> playing guitar, making YouTubes. So yeah, very interesting on the uh, on the Tippet Canoe uh Urban Legend. I don't think it I don't think it shakes out when you really get down to the nuts and bolts, but it's fun. It's a fun story, like a lot of conspiracy stuff. There it is. Beer I time. Oh, I am very excited this week, Sean Esquire, on, on beer. Beer life yeah. in general, all of it. Yeah, what do you got? I am doing a head-to-head this week. A head-to-head-to-head, and let me say this. It's Oktoberfest, everyone. It's maybe yeah. my favorite time of year. We talked about last episode. I don't know if I've ever met an Oktoberfest I didn't like. And uh, the Marzins in particular, um, I th- I think you have to be, I think the beer has to be a Marzin in order for it to be an Oktoberfest. Again, we're going to get some beer people to explain all of this, but I'm doing head-to-head this week, uh, Shiner Oktoberfest versus Sam Adams Oktoberfest versus Paul Honor Oktoberfest. And my Paul Honor... It's a giant liter can, and the can came inside of the giant mug, this beautiful glass, like He-Man Thor. You can't not feel like a Viking with this thing, Sean Esquire. So I put, yeah, I put an entire uh, bottle of beer in this thing, and it was like a tenth of the glass. (laughs) So (laughs) you can get full three, four bottles of beer into this awesome, this Paul Honor. This is my product of the week, this amazing Paul Honor giant Thor uh, glass mug. I love it. I had it in the freezer, so it's nice and cold and uh, delicious. And I will let you know as the show goes on, I'm starting with Shiner Oktoberfest. Better than anything else Shiner does. And I think maybe the Sam Adams Oktoberfest might be the best thing that they do. I just, I just love Oktoberfest beers. They're, they're fairly amber. They're not too, they're not too stouty. They're not bitter. They're just, uh, they're just right. I love them. I, I don't know. I, I a lot of times I'll just buy cases and cases, so I'll, I'll have them well into March, April. But it's uh, it's hard to keep them after all. So I'm starting with a Shiner Oktoberfest, and I love it, five stars. And I will try to keep you posted. Sean Esquire, you're gonna have to remind me as the show goes on on the other ones. Yeah, I I'm also drinking Oktoberfest, but I went with mm-hmm. a local beer, a Tups Brewery, which is out of McKinney, Texas. Their Marzen style ale. Uh, 5.5% and a IBU of 20. And 
it's okay. It's not my favorite um, Marzen that I've had. Not my favorite Oktoberfest beer. I had that Shiner, I guess, a week or so ago when we were supposed to record, but I ended up finishing it before this week. So it was really good. I like the Shiner Oktoberfest. Love the Shiner Oktoberfest. I'm, uh, I'm worried, what if, as a Texas guy, what if I like the Sam Adams or the Paul Honor more than the Shiner? More than the Shiner Oktoberfest. I don't want to feel obligated, but, you know, I bet this, like, psychosomatic, I'm just going to, like the like the old Coke Pepsi challenge. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, people from the Coke family were like, oh, Coke is the best. They take the blindfold, like, ah, ha, ha, you were drinking Pepsi. Yeah, it's it's like the curse of uh, Munich, right there. I might I might get kicked out of Texas if I don't uh, if I if I don't fall on the on the Shiner is the best one, but I will I will keep you posted. Delicious all around. So cheers, yeah. cheers and prowls to Oktoberfest. I love you, Oktoberfest. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are we have such great things. I'm I'm super excited about this episode. So quick break, everybody. Grab your beers, grab your Oktoberfest, and we will be right back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to A Doctor and a Lawyer Walk Into a Podcast. I forgot to mention on Beer Talk on uh, Shiner, Oktoberfest is a 5.7%. And strangely enough, I don't see on the Shiner bottle the German purity law. I'm going to assume Shiner follows the German purity law 1516. Shiner Squire, do you know what's going on in the Shiner? Um, They follow the Texas purity law. Okay. Probably at least as good. And then the Sam Adams, I've switched. I've switched over to Sam. Sam is uh, hearty and smooth. And I got a 5.3% on the Sammy with 16 IBUs. I didn't see the IBUs on. on, So a little less less bitter than what I'm drinking. Uh, I skipped a, a little mea culpa. On last episode, everyone, uh, Sean Esquire is uh, he is getting acclimated to the to the land of editing, and so I want to give a, a hearty mea copa that uh, History Horn was a was, <laughs> was assassinated. Two, two things two things on the previous episode, uh, sound quality wise. One is History Horn was was strangely <laughs> mutated assassinated by Sean's new uh, editing, whatever's going on over there, you know, uh, it, it's, it became not quite sad trombone. It was just this very <laughs> dy- dystopian cacophony, you know? And then the other thing is I want everyone to know that I have a normal human voice and, and uh, whatever happened on the last one, I sounded, uh, it like sped me up. I sounded like a, like a cocaine uh, dwarf. I don't think you can say dwarf anymore, whatever. You know the the munchkins from uh, Wizards of Oz. There you go. Yes, you know what time it is. Please don't edit out this awesome history horn. Okay, we can do the long yeah. one every now. You can do the long version sometimes. Well, you know, it did sound a little funky with the editing software, so mm-hmm. uh, I should be able yeah. to correct. It, this wasn't this wasn't my problem. I just want to make that clear. This was problem with the software. Okay, yeah, I mean, you know, glitch, glitches glitches get stitches, I guess. 
so sorry everyone on uh, on last episode sound the the information is there and the spirit is there really at the end of the day it's all it's all about the spirit sean i bet the uh, horn got the tippy canoe curse or something every every 20th every 20th horn yeah the the, the horn pissed off some native americans so we would call it this week in history but i think we have to call it these two weeks in history week and a half ish something like that so oh one one thing you know i want i want to throw out there is that you don't know when you start doing podcast that you have phrases that you're married to or whatever at least at least for myself anyone out there starting i mean this is episode 23 so high five mm-hmm. high five sean esquire um so uh yeah part of the learning process is one learning how to uh, not be nauseated by the sound of your own voice there's always that and there's always I've gotten used to yours. I'm yeah, fine. yeah, it's a uh, you know, mellifluous. Somebody, someone, some would say euphonious, and then there's also uh, I didn't know about that. I would say ish. You know what happens? Honestly, is that I tell patients numbers like, oh, this is, and I'm carrying these things around in my head, and typically, for myself, I'm thinking is something crazy high or crazy? Low? Is your sugar crazy high? Is your hemoglobin crazy low? Or you know, so when I tell people. Oh, it's a, it's like eight ish, you know, it's probably like 8.4 something. So anyway, I do that so much at work that it has bled into my normal, not work life as so many other things happen. And so I say ish a lot I didn't, until the podcast podcast came along. I'm like, Oh, wow. I'm uh, I'm adding, I'm adding ish all the time. Sorry about that. I'll, uh, I'll do what I can, but could be, could be worse. Chinese choir, what is going on? History this week, not it, not it, not ish. But... Yeah, weekish, two ish. Um, <laughs> I'm going to preface this with: we would have started. We're going to do a special edition episode because we're not oh, yeah. going to discuss 9/11 on this podcast mm. because we feel like it would be a disservice to that event in history uh, to to cover it for 15 minutes and our plan is to bring a guest on and we're going to discuss some of the conspiracy theories surrounding i'm just proud of us that we're going to be doing a 9-11 episode it looks like maybe november and we're going to be getting to it (laughs) we are we are on top no i'm very excited about the 9-11 episode and uh and Esquire is absolutely right we're gonna we want to do it right we want to give it the the um proper uh time and dedication and so we, we didn't want to squeeze it into a regular episode. So everyone, bear with us. We're going to be getting to, to 9-11 and covering all kinds of amazing facts. And get ready. Get ready on that one. because uh, So be on the lookout for that. Sean Esquire, this week, week in history. September 14th, 1814. We got a song, Dr. Blom, for the United States. And not just any song. We got... A British drinking song. Oh, okay. What were they drinking over there? Were they drinking speck- your favorite speckled hens? Old hen? speckled hens, oh, probably. Shonda, yes, yes, they definitely, definitely weren't drinking Guinness, because that's not from England. Um, <laughs> We've covered that. <laughs> so, 1814, September 14th, we got uh, a song, a patriotic song. Well, kind of. But, Fran- so, my guess... Just so anybody doesn't know, this British drinking song became our Star Spangled Banner. So it's the music 
and Francis Scott Key was the person who put the lyrics to it. He laid and he laid down those those fat they did they say bars in the rap world? Laid lay down bars? bars, probably. Like music bars, right? Well, he didn't lay down any bars. He stole the song, not the lyrics. He stole the music. So he, this was a, a British drinking song, and I'm guessing he was sitting there by the battlefield humming this tune to himself, and then just started started putting the lyrics to it. He was asking if Jose can see, um, and he thought, man, this is going to be a great patriotic song. It's, these lyrics are great, by the way. Number, number one, the Sp- Star Spangled Banner lyrics. Uh, but also, did did you want to mention the original? The Star Spangled Banner came from an English drinking so- song, and the English drinking song. Do you know that one? No. It's the anacreonic song. Anacreontic song. Sorry. A-N-A. Oh, this was the group, the the gentlemen's club, right? Yeah, this was the, these these were partying. Partying dudes way back, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, like 1700s or whatever. So they believed in in boozing, boozing it up. I think we would have, you know, we would have hung out with these guys. We probably would have made fun of their accents, but these guys were they were podcasting before before podcasting. So the the lyrics on Star Spangled Banner, <laughs> I know, and I know it's way back when. Uh, so he was he was like watching one of the battles for Battle of eighteen twelve, one of the one of the main battles, or he just said today's the day, because Fran- Francis was a well they said amateur poet. I don't think that that's fair. They called him amateur. Amateur. Yeah, he, I mean he he gave us the Star Spangled Banner, but yeah, I I could not find exactly how he landed on. Hey, I'm gonna. And also, I don't know if that was him that decided, hey, this is the music that goes with He just wrote the lyrics. Yeah, right. There was like three songs in existence at the time. Oh. And this this was one of the three that he was humming to himself and then put some, the Anna, put some bars. Anacreontic song. I like their, their chorus, you know. Have you seen this thing? As, and long may the sons of Anacreon entwine the the myrtle i think that's supposed to be mirth the myrtle of venus with bacchus wine Mm. i mean that's yeah rap guys get on that may our club flourish happy united and free and long may the sons of anacreon entwine they they love the the those were the rap guys at the time they were they you know these guys had like the the, uh, the giant uh, gold chains from the 1700s or whatever. So Spin I think that's rhymes. great. Yeah. The Star Spangled Banner comes from an English drinking song. And uh, and I, I love the fact that these guys had like a like a club, just a, just a boys club. So mm-hmm. also, uh, side, side note, side fact here, sidebar, Francis Scott Key, when he wasn't laying down fat rhymes, this dude had 11 kids. So... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's this guy's uh he's like a walking aphrodisiac, I guess. I don't know. I think back then also, and this is a little bit of, of foreshadowing, everyone had to have a truckload of kids back then. One, because it's 
it's cheap labor. Eventually, you're just like, hey, you go out. You're you're four years old. Get out there in that field. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, by the time you're thirty, you're you're a grandpa. So they're not not great odds regarding germ theory back then. So you just had a lot of kids, and you're just like, oh. I hope most of them live, but you know, if not, they got I got eleven, and then eleven of them make it to adulthood. You're like, whoa! I didn't see. That. I don't know what happened to all of his kids, but yeah, Francis Francis got key. Uh, a lot of kids. Very fertile. So great song, thank you, uh, Francis Scott Key, and then uh, also if uh, we're gonna put the lyrics of the Anna Creontic, uh song, which is the British drinking song, we'll put that on our on our X Doc mm-hmm. Law podcast at Doc Law podcast. Also. If you go to Doc Law, at Doc Law Podcast on the X, then uh, you'll see pictures of uh, beers for this last week. And I took a picture the other day. I was very excited. I've got my all my Oktoberfest all lined up. Also, my amazing my amazing mug is there. Shine Esquire, this is a Red Banner Day, September 29, because in September 29, 1954, we have the creation of CERN. Oh, so I, I text I text Sean Esquire last week. I was like, "Oh, I want to do I want to do CERN," and then just instinctively or out of habit, whatever, I, I said, "CERN superconductor super collider," <laughs> and Sean Esquire is like, "I know what CERN is." <laughs> CERN CERN is the biggest, maybe the best, definitely the the biggest, most extraordinary science project in the history of the world. So we can start with the atoms, right? So the word atom itself comes from the Greeks. It means... A-T-O-M, un- not A-D-A-M. Correct. I'm sorry about my... my uh, Friend's name, four, Adam. Four beers deep here with my Texas accent. Sorry about that. Uh, it's from the Greek, meaning uncuttable. So that was originally from these, uh, from these dudes, these pre-Socratic uh, Greek philosopher guys. Leo Sippus and his pupil, I mean, we know, we know what that means, his pupil, <laughs> they went together into their 70s. It's just these two dudes that just love reading stuff and they happen to be Greek. Uh, his pupil, Democritus, uh, they had an extensive scarf collection, the two of them, and uh, 15 mm-hmm. cats. Just two dudes, like real, like just lady, lady killers, these guys. Absolutely. So they're, they're from they were from around uh, 460 BC thereabouts. They're the, they're the ones that laid down. Hey, we think that uh, you know matter. We think that things shakes down in atoms. They, they didn't know how to phrase it back then, but that's that's basically how it uh, how it started. Then you had this Catholic priest dude Pierre Gas Indy around the 1600s. Uh, he came up with the molecule. Said, hey, hey, you guys like that atom thing? Because probably they get together and they make molecules. I'm a priest. What do you want from me? And then there was John Dalton. And John Dalton was an English chemist. And um, he is, now we're getting to the electron. So that's around 1803. John Dalton does the actual science to say, uh, hey, uh, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. John Dalton does the science for the atom. Does he? Okay. So you had the Greek dudes way back when that said, oh, I think there's, you know, it was probably an atom. They had an idea. They were like philosophers. They weren't scientists. John Dalton, English chemist, 1803, he, he proved, pretty much proved the atom. Then you have um, the dude, J.J. Thomas, Joseph John Thomas. So he, Joseph John Thomas, he's the, he's the electron. 
came up with the electron. He's a, he's a Brit, and uh, I think he laid down <laughs> laid down the paperwork for whatever uh, 1897. Now, flash forward to 1964. Now we're going deeper and deeper and deeper. Sean Esquire, we got the atom, and then with and then we got this tiny electron going around the atom, and so we're trying to figure out getting the secrets of the universe. In, in 1964, there's two uh, physicists. There's Murray Gell-Mann, and there's George Zweig, Z-W-E-I-G, Sean Esquire. Both Americans, both Americans, thank you very much. And so they really kind of, I say, started. They found, uh, discovered quarks. They laid down all the, the math and everything for, for quarks. Little quirky things. Yes, quirky things. So now we're getting now we're we're really getting into the subatomic in into everything else. So really fast, uh, high school, depending on your high school, <laughs> really, really quick review here. Fermions and bosons. Stay with me here. Fermions, they do matter building. They're matter building particles like electrons. Bosons, which you're gonna hear again, these are force carrying particles like photons. And then you know, eventually you're gonna think about foreshadowing. The Higgs, boson, the Higgs boson. Now, if you're like me and you're trying to go down the rabbit hole of, oh, I'm going to review all the, all the, I don't know if you know this, uh, Sean Esquire, uh, quantum, uh, quantum physics, you know, there's two, there's two physics. There's a really, really big, like, let's go to space, like NASA. And then mm -hmm. there's the really, 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 really small, which is what CERN is doing. So whatever was going on with these uh, super nerds, they, they have weird, crazy names for all of the sub, 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 sub particles. They're getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Now, there's fermions, and the fermions are leptons and hadrons. You're going to hear a hadron again because of the hadron collider. collider. There, there you go. Um, and so I won't get into all of the gory details of because it gets really crazy, especially with the names. I, I think these guys were drunk when they were getting into the nomenclature of all this. The bosons are responsible for the production of forces. So four forces make up the universe, hang on, that we know of, okay? Ooh. Electromagnetic force, you know that one. Wind, wind earth, fire, water. Mm -hmm. Leeches, ghouls, okay. trolls, the sword, from, the sword from Conan the Barbarian. That's pretty much, that's pretty much all you need. Sums it up. <laughs> super drunk force, kind of drunk force, um sleep deprived force and then um and then uh, the uh the christian force those guys they come out they like tear phone oh books. they break the yeah phone book they, in half they tear, for the lord they break things <laughs> they carry tear. a 900 pound log the lord force <laughs> they they lift heavy things for the lord that you were walking around in life and you're like i don't know if i believe in, in the Lord, and then you're like, there's this giant man, he ripped the phone book in half, and he's talking about the Lord, and you're like, alright, there we go. Electromagnetic force, strong nuclear force, which is atoms, protons, the weak nuclear force, which is radioactive decay. Shannon Squire, you like radioactive decay. You love Oppenheimer. I love it. And then gravity. So those are the four that we know of, right? Now, there's a whole thing about dark matter, and basically most of the universe is dark matter, and all of the smartiest of all the smarty pants... They don't know what dark matter is. So I think myself that well, that's you can't be, see it. It's mm, dark. I mean, there's that, right? 
And then a lot of people, they're just scared of the dark. You know, want to like, hey, right. let's go. Through. Oh, no. I'm going to go through. Right. I'm going to go uh, with the like, light matter. Got to get those goth kids to take on the, the dark matter science. So, yeah, I think the next evolution for humankind in terms of figuring out the universe and physics and everything is going to come down to dark matter. So the Council European pour la rochère nucléaire. That's French, by the way. And I think I oh, nailed it. You, you nailed did it. nail that. Nailed it on my French accent, everyone. That's that. This is this is CERN, right? It's That's formed cool. in September 29th, 1954. It is September 29th, so happy birthday to CERN. So this is uh, the, the September 29th, 1954. It's when it, it was ratified for their, uh, for their convention and everything. So its main site is in Switzerland. It's in uh, the headquarters is in Myron, Switzerland. Definitely want to go to Switzerland someday. It's on my list. Uh, currently made up of 23 full members. All of the members are European except for one country. Shana Square, what is the one outlier country for the 23 members of CERN? The United States. No, no, not exactly. No, Israel. Really? There you what go. Are, what are they studying over there? So the head, the head dude is actually actually a Israeli guy. Their their leader guy is um, uh, Elizer Rabin Oviki. It's a good, okay. good, good, good name. Good Israeli name. Yes. So initially, they only had twelve countries when when the uh, convention was ratified September 29, 1954. They started with 12. The original boss of CERN, Jen Esquire, Niels Bohr. Oh. Yeah. That Remember? guy, the physicist. There you go. Yeah, one of the, one of the physicists in Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer mm-hmm. goes to Germany, goes to... He, he meets he goes Heisenberg to, there, he and I think Europe. studied with Niels Bohr there. One of the one of his uh, physics math uh, BFFs was uh, was mm-hmm. Niels Niels Bohr. So, I want to get into uh, well. First and foremost, you know, we've covered all of that, but what is what is the purpose of CERN? Like, why do we why do we care? What is um, it, what is, to what is study it, particle mi- physics. Mission statement. It is studying particle physics. It is to unlock the secrets of the universe. Everything, oh yeah, well, I'll get yeah. into it. Yeah, I mean, no, no, that's a that's a pretty good mission statement. We're gonna we're gonna solve the universe. Everything, you know, you say, oh, every everything is made of matter, which is you know that that's a dumb. I don't think dreams are made of matter. Uh, and then and then you say, well, like we said, but the, the, but do the, they matter? Right, exactly. Not all matter matters. Everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the. The scope of this thing is is absolutely insane. So, for myself, when I think of CERN, I immediately I go to the the LHC, the Large, Large Hadron Collider. There you go. Yeah, like we talked about the the Hadron earlier. So the, the Hadron is is not that old. They just fired it up fairly recently. But that thing goes through France, though, doesn't it? Let me tell you about this bad boy. The LHC, it's 164 feet underground and also 574 feet underground so it's under the mountains and all of that right so it's not like perfectly perfectly underground this this huge 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 circle right it is 16.6 miles in circumference crosses the swiss france border four times 120 megawatts which basically that means it could power it uses the it uses the power of what would be 
the equivalent of 100,000 houses in one year. Uh, in the heart of the tunnel, you got these two rings, these two tiny rings are really only a few centimeters in diameter. They go in opposite directions. They overlap in four places, and that's where the collision happens, the proton, the proton collisions. So then, and then they have these four, these four places, they have these huge like collision detector equipment measurement. They measure the outcome of the smashing the protons together so that you can, so that you can see how the sausage is made regarding, regarding the universe. The rings, they are evacuated by an ultra high vacuum system. It creates a void inside the tubes. So you have this empty space uh, that is emptier than the deepest parts of space. Got to be like crazy, crazy empty in there. The particles uh, inside the beam tubes, they're directed by the world's longest superconducting copper clad niobium titanium magnets. They operate at two degrees from absolute zero. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, there's 96 tons of superfluid helium four. So that's the largest cryo facility in the world. And the particles they're zooming, they're zooming around this thing. How fast do you think they're going? Almost to the speed of light. You are absolutely correct. I know. 99. 99. I don't, I don't know how many nines it is. There's more than one. 99.999. Let's stop at like three nines percent of the, of the speed of light. And they smash these protons together. And basically what they're doing is uh, they're recreating. This is the big bang. Well, yeah. Oh, so it is something like one billionth. Uh, I can't remember how many, how many billions of it is less than one billionth of a second after the big bang. That's what they're, that's what they're, they're creating between the, between the explosions and everything. So here's, okay, uh, I, I do want to say, Shannon Squire, have you ever been in a toxic relationship before? Uh, I have only dated one person, my wife. Uh, there, there you go. That's a yeah. smart, you're a smart man. That's a good answer. Def, definitely was, not toxic. I was thinking, I was like, oh yeah, have I, have I done any toxic? <laughs> and, then, and then I thought to myself, was I the toxic one in that one? I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. But then I thought like into my twenties, I'm like, well, I went out with at least one toxic person just mm-hmm. to prove that I wasn't the toxic one. Like somewhere I'd be like, well, at least one, at least that one time I wasn't the toxic. Anyway, what I'm getting, at, what I'm getting at is, so I'm trying to, you know, read, I want to read about CERN, man. I watch the videos and everything. There is Far more. I was sending Sean Esquire all these all these text messages and YouTube videos and everything. There's a zillion conspiracies on CERN, and the, and then the, like the actual science stuff and on all that is I don't know a drop in the bucket. So you have to scroll through all of these conspiracy things, and they might not be the best thing for you. That might be a toxic relationship. Uh, we 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 enjoy conspiracy theories. We don't believe all of them, but uh, that is what happened to me. I was. <laughs> doing the real deal like oh let's read about uh, the higgs boson and then i was like what what's going on over here this one guy he, he wrote he wrote this book antichrist the vatican and the alien slash cern deception <laughs> okay <laughs> so i got sucked into a lot of rabbit holes trying to read just trying to enjoy science just trying to enjoy my day 
<laughs> I got it. Oh, like the pope. The pope is a is a lizard person. That's not good. Do the Catholics know that? So, <laughs> and he's in cahoots with the Stern people for some reason. So yeah, there's there's a, a bazillion conspiracies on Cern, and a lot of them are amazing. They're really really entertaining. Uh, real fast before I touch on any of those at all, 2017 CERN became the largest computing grid in the in the world, uh, over 170 computer facilities across something like um, 42 countries. Some people call it digital Babylon, which is crazy. Also, CERN responsible for a little thing called the World Wide Web. Maybe you've heard of it. Oh. The yep. internet. I thought Al well, Gore created that. Okay, excellent point. Thank you very much. I'm going to clear this up right now because the you know <laughs> the CERN people and Europeans are like World Wide Web. We did that. I'm like, okay. So what happened was they had you know this crazy, you know, the tubes under the earth, and they're going to smash protons together, and they want to communicate. And the, and the thing is that you know these are thousands and thousands and thousands, millions, millions of these protons and particles smashing in. And so they have these compu computers, this grid all over the world to crunch the data. Oh, this yeah. thing is like, like that's what happened back in the nineties is that they were, they were able to do the smashing of the protons. And then like they didn't have 20 pentabytes per year. Or something it's, like that. it's insane. I heard, I heard insane numbers and like at, at a certain point, like it just didn't even register in my head. I was like, I don't know what a quantilobyte is. I think it's <laughs> so, uh, so we have, you know, most of our phones are what, like 128 gigabytes. And then you get those fancy external hard drives for your computer that are like two terabytes holds a lot mm -hmm. of data. Yeah, right. this uh, a pentabyte is a thousand terabytes, and this thing's collecting like twenty pentabytes a year. I don't, I don't know why you woke up today, decided you want to do a bunch of math. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to nerd it up on like a regular, and you're like, you know, way over. So listen, everyone, here's the deal. <laughs> in 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 1969, right? October 29, 1969. Maybe What's you've that? heard of something called. This <laughs> was in the summer. This was this was October, right after Woodstock. Okay. You're right. They had to have Woodstock first and do all the do and then do research. Well, no, that's what they went to Woodstock and they got crazy high and they're like, "Let's invent the internet, man! Come on, yeah!" And that's what they and that's probably what they did. It's the internet, everyone comes from the U.S. military, boo-hoo, you know, boo facts. October 29, 1969, the first message. This is the uh, ARP, ARPANET was the first internet. ARP, ARPANET. It's advanced, like you've advanced got mail. Yeah, that's what it was, basically. It was the Advanced Research Projects uh, Agar, oh, agency. <laughs> Sorry, my doctor handwriting is not great. Advanced Research Project Agency, right? That basically what happened was the, the U.S., they were scared like, oh, well, when the Russians nuke us, we're going to have to have something to communicate, you know, from California to New York or whatever. So they came up with ARPANET. The first internet, this is from the first internet message ever. This is a famous story. was from UCLA. This is part of the ARPANET project, obviously. UCLA to Stanford. You know the first internet message, basically the first email. It's probably we've been trying to reach you about your car's extended warranty. Yeah, fifteen dick pics, right? So yeah, no. So it was it was low. the The dude the dude was trying to type 
login and he and it typed low and it just got fired off as in lo and behold the famous oh. yeah yeah there you go so that's the first message ever the united states created the internet and it, and the united states was not like hey let's make it uh for the world yes it's military it's from the department of defense and they're like it's not for the world everyone we're trying to we want to email everyone whenever the nukes come because <laughs> the phone lines are going to be knocked out and everything like that i'm like gotta check my email there's the outside is all radioactive so all right 2022 uh cern now has the engineers and technicians way outnumber all the physicists they're like literally like 10 to 1 um because of all the computers this thing has become this massive massive computer city spread out all over the world also <laughs> sean esquire I thought this was great they fired a bunch of their russian scientists recently <laughs> because of ukraine <laughs> and the russian scientists were like 10 percent of their science people oh wow <laughs> yeah oh what's cool so what's cool on cern is that whole community they're very they have like a like a mandate you know like they're not like a mission statement but uh, you know they want to be apolitical they don't want any politics they're all about friendship and science and uh sounds like a sounds like a good time man i want to i want to hang out with these super nerds for sure i bet so they're I bet, singing british drinking songs i bet they are not drinking <clears throat> speckled uh, speckled hen that's so for sure now we get to september 10 2008 this is when the lhc gets turned on the large okay. had Hadron Collider, which is interesting. So September 10, 2008, 1098. That's kind of cool. Uh, the LHC replaced the shitty uh, large electron <laughs> position collider, right? Yeah. That's why whenever I think about CERN, then I just, I'm just like, oh, let's talk about LHC. You know, you don't want to talk about the Schwinn. You want to talk about the Ferrari. So uh, the discoveries for this thing uh, are, are uh, plentiful. The, the biggest one, obviously, let me see here. Uh, I meant to, um, you know, a lot of these just kind of like go in my brain. And I'm like, oh, 1995, first creation of the anti-hydrogen atoms in the PS210 experiment. Mm, that sounds good. It's probably. Okay. <laughs> 2010, isolation of 38 atoms of anti-hydrogen, which is like antimatter. That's a big thing. 2011, maintaining the anti-hydrogen for over 15 minutes. Antimatter. That's kind of that's kind of a big deal, but it's all about like their their Super Bowl, July fourth, two thousand twelve is Higgs boson day. It's like God particle day. Mm-hmm. The God particle. Yeah, July fourth, two thousand twelve. They finally proved Higgs boson. Um, it decays like boom. <laughs> it's not like sticking around very long. And uh, so Peter Higgs was from nineteen sixty four. He proposed, obviously, he proposed the Higgs boson. It was him and five other scientists that no one remembers. So there's some dude that bet, like dedicated. I bet his, uh, I bet his criticizers there, the science department, they call him the Higgs bozo. <laughs> like God particle, uh, <laughs> yeah. So they, so he he discovers it. Whatever he sets it up in 1964. They don't prove it into until 2012, and then I think they were like holy crap, this guy's going to die. You know, he's not going to live. So they gave him the Nobel Prize in 2013. Um, there's this guy, Leon Lederman. He's a Nobel laureate as well. So he wrote the book, The God Particle. There's a lot of debate online about, you know, how it came down to the, the God Particle. But the story that keeps coming up is Leon Lederman 
he wanted to name it the goddamn particle. Mm, that's because it was so fitting. it was so hard to detect. It was a whole thing. So he told his publicist, and the publicist was like, mm, "Better make it the god particle." And that's mm. how we got there. But regardless of that story, there's all these things online about like, no, it's this and it's that and whatever. So the the whole purpose of the of the boson of the Higgs boson is there's the Higgs field, which is this invisible, all permeating field. It gives mass to everything. So it's like ether, and and there's it's um, it's on the Earth, it's up in space, it's in deep space, it's everywhere. And the Higgs boson, it's like a wave or a ripple or any disturbance in the Higgs field is the Higgs boson. So particles get mass by interacting with the Higgs field and things that don't like photons don't interact with the field. So they don't have mass. Oh, staff at CERN is around 2,500, but staff worldwide CERN, all those computer places all around the world, crunching the data, something like 18,000, it's close to 18,000 people working for CERN around the world. So amazing project. And I look forward to seeing what's going to come from everything, all that they're, all the data they're crunching, and whatever little little things and quarks and leptons and ups have and they, downs. Have they turned it back on since they almost broke the Earth? I'm sure. So yeah, so Esquire raises a great point. All of these things online are so great. So uh, the the CERN is it's a doorway to hell. They're going to open up a doorway to hell. The people that run CERN are like. Uh, like a uh, demon lizard people or something like that, like which is great. I mean, they they all have PhDs and yeah, because I deal. <laughs> the last thing I saw was like they had turned it on. Was it twenty twenty one or twenty two? And they ran some experiment, and then there was a tear in the Earth's electromagnetic field. Mm-hmm. And we're all and, living on a on on an alternate timeline now. Or and, we're all dead or something like that. And they're like, we don't know in this tear, did aliens come onto Earth? Was there a mm-hmm. split in time? And is this now affecting Earth's defense against solar flares? Yeah, uh, it's a it's a gateway for demons or it's a gateway for aliens or like the aliens that put us here gave the technology so that they could come back like the aliens got chased off by i don't know the egyptians or whoever so these, what did dr uh, ian malcolm in jurassic park say something about they didn't think about should we do it before can we do it exactly that's what he said nature will find a way something something yes. yeah like like hey maybe you should sit back and think is this a good idea before we try to say can we do this yeah, I don't like Jeff Goldblum's face. You know, every time I see that guy, all I think is, oh, that's the guy that beat, uh, he defeated all oh. the aliens with Windows 95. You're going to battle it out with my wife now. <laughs> she loves Jeff Goldblum. You know, women, women love the guy. I'm like, he's 70. I know. He and he does his whole, like, mm, his like his quirky, like, look at me. Like, I'm sorry, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> only, only, because you, only because you defeated aliens with Windows 95. Nothing else beyond that. You're... A great actor. I'm I'm sorry, Jeff Goldblum. So, yeah, we, I, I like I like Independence Day, the original one, with uh, with Will Smith better than you gotta Trump. like hold the hand of everybody. Well, you gotta you gotta you gotta nurture it. You gotta you gotta care for it. It's, 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 I'm gonna take off my shirt and like, 
Yeah, he's his whole like I'm the I'm the sexy scientist mathematician. I'm uh, chaos theory. I got a leather jacket on and I'm outside in the sun. Like, all right, that old character. That's all right. probably sorry, why the wife me. likes anyway. me. Yay! Because you wear a leather jacket in the sun <laughs> and you're like, I do I do math. <laughs> like he's explaining to the lady. He explains to the lady about like him doing. You know how whenever you explain to ladies about you doing math and they're like, what? They swoon. Yes. It's an aphrodisiac. Start telling them about the watts and the amps and the volts and just look at them. Oof, stand back. I know. Come on, but ladies. It, that's why we can't go visit CERN. They keep would it, swoon keep, to us, all the female in, scientists. Keep it in your pants over there. I'm doing, I'm doing eighth grade algebra, so look out. <laughs> <laughs> if A squared plus B squared equals mm. C squared. I got this liter of beer. I don't even know what that means. So uh, It's yay. a Pythagorean theorem, Dr. Blum. Yay, Man, yay, I am yay. on a math kick today. Yes, sir. You are. You are. You are rocking the shit, man. You read too many of those uh, Oppenheimer books. So, yeah. Yay, yay, CERN. And uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got even bigger and better history. Oh, beer too. Welcome back, everyone. This is okay. So, yeah. I mean, when you have the giant mug, that counts as mm -hmm. one beer, even though there's three beers in that thing. So I have. What are you going with? I am officially getting into Paul Honor Oktoberfest. This is the leader can. This is a monster bad boy. It says Germany's number one Oktoberfest beer, and mm -hmm. Paul Honor München. It says since 1634, brewed in Germany. This can is a real. I feel like you could uh you could throw your back out with six point oh percent. Uh, one quart, whatever that means. Who knows? Oh, we one... speak... Yeah, weird English British units. There's a whole story on the can, and uh, again, we're going to put this on our at Doc Law podcast X page. And I'm ready to get into this bad boy. So this is uh, something Sean Esquire had inspired me, and I saw it in the store. Is the I mean, there's the giant beer mug, and they put the can in the in the beer glass, the giant beer glass. Yeah. So, this guy is a little blonde. A little blondie. <laughs> the, the mic is great because it sounds like you're going to the bathroom, pouring that gigantic little... beer can. Yeah, the original from Munich Oktoberfest. A little yeah, that's can. like the that's like the big main tent I think over in Munich when uh, when you go to Oktoberfest. Got to find out, or... man. I'm telling you, we got to. I'm I'm 2024. Got to get over to. Get over to Oktoberfest. So great, a uh, great color here. A little blondy, little blonde for my taste. I'm gonna let it breathe for a minute because I got a great head on my giant, my giant <laughs> beer. But it smells great. It smells like more of a summer beer. But <clears throat> didn't you have you had that one a couple weeks ago? Yeah. Yeah, it, actually, I had that when I bought the big Stein, like you yeah. got, and then I went back and bought a six pack of the Pollen or Oktoberfest because I liked it so much. I thought you were gonna say so, you got a six pack of the giant of the. <laughs> No, I do. I, I do have another giant polliner stein and can that I was supposed to send to you, but obviously before I sent it, you got your own. Actually, you have two now. I have two, and now. I have, to, and now I have two. I'm excited. So, yeah. so we can double. We can double fist. I mean, you get you get three, four beers in each one. 
I'm not a mathematician. I don't know. I would say we could, to to make it easy, seven beers, because we'll split one. You are double double fisting these giant uh, glass mugs uh, equals two fists equals one hell of a good time, everyone. I don't need need a math professor to explain to me that how that math shakes down. If if Dr. Blum leaves beer A at 4 p.m., all, all roads lead to uh, waking up naked in the woods, and you're like, ah, like an hour late for work again. <laughs> not again. Uh, I want to say, uh, maybe not fair to Jeff Goldblum. I, I like The Fly. I saw that movie when I was a kid. It scared the hell out of me. Great, great job on that one. Again, I just, you know, I beat aliens with well, Windows 95. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I'm going to say uh, two of my, um, I say my favorite patients. I don't like to play favorites with patients, but sometimes I can play favorites with like, patient events one of my favorite patient events was so two i'll tell you two real fast before we before we get into uh, more history one one guy very calm cool and collected i was like hey well what's uh, what's bringing you in sir chest pain or seizures or what's going on and he just goes got too high man <laughs> he just got <laughs> he got too high <laughs> <laughs> he was so polite about it, and then my the other one, <laughs> which is uh, what do you do that give him give him like sleeping meds and knock him out till he wakes up out of it? No, I just gave him a lot of fluids and flushed his system, and uh, I was like, "Do you want to stay in the hospital?" He was like, "Well, I'm scared and I'm freaking out," and, I, <laughs> and so I was like, "All right, all right, buddy, you want to crash here? I guess." Uh, so I try, you know. I want to try to help everyone as best I can. There, there's things that are known as bullshit admissions that I don't know if that's the politically correct term. It, it happens. Um, I'm cool with that when there's like, I'm not crazy busy, but if I'm crazy busy, you know, I've got five seizures and four brain bleeds and you know, you're going to, I got too high, man. <laughs> not tonight, <laughs> sir, sir. No, I get, I can't, I can't help you go home Fire up the Xbox. Just think, make make better life choices, sir. That's my that's my recommendation to you. The other the other the other guy, <laughs> I think about, you know, when you're sitting in your car, you just think about something stupid from like ten years ago. And you started laughing. I do this all the time. The guy, the guy that just, again, very polite and very matter of fact. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I'm a little drunk, <laughs> and, and I was just like, sir, you're a lot of drunk. You have, you have pancreatitis, sir. You drank yourself into pancreatitis, and you're going into withdrawal. So I'm going to have to give you a lot of uh, librium and avant. Anyway, so uh, I'm not going to lie, Sean Esquire. I'm a little drunk. I like to throw that. Okay. <laughs> throw that in there. It's the giant beer mug. It fools you, man. You don't know. And you're just, no. you know, you're sipping. It's not like drinking having... a bottle of beer. You're drinking a <sighs> giant mug of beer. You know the Paul Water people, you know the Germans know what they're doing. This thing is, and you know, it's it's very, like, hey, be a man. Come have, have you tried? Have you tried it yet? Come have the, the yeah. The, the head has cooled off on this. Let me let me check it out. This uh, Paul Honor, Paul Honor Oktoberfest. Rich Paul Honor Oktoberfest beer. It's a it's a nice light beer. Um, mm. What do you think of that? It's a little blondish for me. Uh, I do okay. like it, but uh, no, you like redheads. I, no offense yeah. to the to the the Paul Honor the Paulies, uh, I like the Shiner Oktoberfest and the uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest better. And as of right now, I'm leaning towards the 
Shiner Oktoberfest. I feel like the Sammy, the Sam Adams <clears throat> Oktoberfest is a little, a little sweeter, not dramatically. Um, it's too far northeast. That's so, the problem with it. Maybe the problem is, is that when I think Sam, Sam Adams, I think about those horrible accents that I can't stand. Mm-hmm. Come on, yeah. give me a car there. <laughs> that whole, get, get that whole car. attitude. <laughs> <laughs> like Boston, thing. like come Let's on, guys. Go Boston, yeah, Mark Wahlberg style. You guys watch movies in Boston, right? You know, no one speaks that way. You know, you don't mm-hmm. have to drop the R. You don't have to do that. <laughs> you don't have to speak out of your nose there. That whatever's going on. I know you guys make fun of Texas accents, but guess what? Texas accents sound awesome. Sound manly, right? Mm-hmm. So, nothing, oh, yeah. nothing, nothing manly about. Get out, get over there with a. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. Don't let me do a Boston accent, Sean. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get back to history since right. we're right here in the middle of it. Um, September 17th, 1862. There was a war going on at this time, Dr. Blom. Star Wars? What? What happened? It was a war. It was a civil war oh. located right here. In the United States. What's so silly so, uh, about war? Nothing, nothing. But, but, there is this, right? Sorry, go ahead. September 17th, uh, we had the Battle of Antietam, uh, or some from the South say the Battle of Sharpsburg, which I guess that's mainly a Southern thing. I've never heard it called that. But it was a, it was a battle here in the American Civil War, fought between the Confederate General Robert E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia and the Union General George B. McClellan's Army of the Potomac, or Potomac, depending how you want to say it. Probably Potomac sounds right. Okay, so they say it's the Battle of Sharpsburg because this was fought in Sharpsburg, Maryland at the Antietam Creek. Uh, It was the first field army level engagement in the eastern theater of the american civil war to take place on union soil and even today it remains the bloodiest day in american history with a combined total of 22,727 dead wounded or missing this is a two two day battle three day battle multi-day battle multi-day battle it involved them getting so the creek bed was basically they set up a defensive position, the Confederates, Robert E. Lee. And so they were kind of holding off the Union Army. And then the Union Army sent in some flanks to kind of flank this creek bed. And this battle went on from the day into the night into the next morning. Um, they, The Union Army used about three quarters of its soldiers. So they had 87,000 soldiers, the Union Army. The Confederates army only had 38,000. So they were outmanned two to one in this battle. And the battle was named by the union after the nearby Creek called Antietam. Uh, Two union soldiers had actually found a copy of general Lee's battle plans before the battle commenced. So they knew they were there and they knew they were walking into, you know, a massacre essentially Mm, conspiracy sense tingling on that one Mm, that's what they say but the important relevance of this whole battle was that the the union army ultimately won and and defeated robert e lee's army 
But this battle and the, the victory gave President Lincoln uh, the opportunity to announce the Emancipation Proclamation. So it made the Battle of Antietam one of the key turning points of the American Civil War to say that slaves are now freed, even though this didn't finish the war entirely. But they didn't want, at least from the Union side and Lincoln, didn't want countries like England or France helping the Confederate Army to overthrow the U.S. government at the time. Yeah, yeah we're like we're like a year into the Civil War. Yeah, yeah. So it could have. The thing is, both ways is that if the Confederates had been able to keep marching in, then the the Brits, I think, were pretty outspoken on we're, we're going to back up the Confederates because the enemy of my enemy is my friend, and so. Mm -hmm. That they were, the Brits were still a little uh, a little irritated about the American Revolution. Like get get over it, guys. Well, well that and then they had just lost the Battle of eighteen twelve. American Revolution. Some people say American Revolution Part Two, even though it was not right. Right. So they, this so it was like fifty years after the Revolution, Britain tried to take us on again and mm -hmm. lost, and the Civil War. What it was about fifty years after that. No, they're very, they're very proud. They, they burned down the White House. They're very proud of that. I get it. I get it. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of debate online about the uh, the North. If the North had kept chasing them, you know, that they they won the day. And mm -hmm. this is kind of like the uh, kind of like the quote unquote Korean conflict. You know that they had said, uh, oh, um, if they had, you know kept going, kept chasing mm -hmm. them and just like finished it off. It would have been a done deal. Could have been done with the war in, in 1862. But also Lincoln was a, uh, Lincoln was a little bit, a little bit pissed off. I bet. Yeah. Half the country was revolting against him. Well, no. So that, ge that general, the, the general for uh, the, the North was a. Oh to, yeah. Uh, let me get his name again. This was uh, George B. McClellan. That's that's the guy, yeah. Yep. So he was supposed to chase the the uh, Confederates down into the South and wipe them out. Like you've won the battle, just like keep it going, you know, like a like a chess game or boxing or anything else. And uh, McCullough didn't do that. A lot of people say that he could have either a ended the war that week, or at the very very least, uh, dealt such a deadly blow that the South would have never fully recovered. Mm. So Lincoln goes down there. He, he dresses down that general and ends up firing him. Okay. Yeah. Well, it worked out. <laughs> I mean, it were, it worked out because <laughs> thousands, thousands more died, but yeah, they, they had, uh, the bodies were stacked like two, three, two, three bodies deep. You know, that's not a big area that they fought in. So you got 22,000 bodies over the course of two, three days. Holy mm -hmm. mackerel. And who's cleaning all that up? That's a conspiracy, Blom. <laughs> Where did these bodies go? Right? Mm, fire, fire ants. Yeah. Hey, there's 22,000 <laughs> 22, bodies laying over there. So uh, everybody, let's, let's, all, let's all pitch in, everyone. Everyone... <laughs> Pick a body, dig a six foot grave. We're gonna dig 
22,000. I know back then they, they did a lot of like, you know, mass grave for the, for the soldiers or whatever, but yeah, that's, um, that's horrible. Um, so I, I know kind of superficial about the battle, just basically how it, it was. Well, one, like you said, the bloodiest day in U.S. history, and two, it could it could have been a turning point had the uh, general got his head out of his ass. So who knows what he was thinking or, or what was going on? But Lincoln, Lincoln got pissed. He fired he fired that dude. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if was Lincoln in the army ever. Yeah, oh, he was he was a lawyer and a bureaucrat. Yeah, so so he wasn't in the army and I think it's got to be a little bit different when you're the general like sending your troops to die and right. and then look at the bloodiest day in in US history here and you're like I can't continue to send my guys Keep to death. And, so I think that probably had something to do with it. It's it's very different when you're the guy with you know, president of the U S just saying, why don't you finish it off when you're the guy that's there on the ground going, cause you know, 10,000 of my kids just died. Like, it's hard for my guys to march over all these piles of bodies everywhere. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think it's probably a little unfair unless you've been in that role to say, why didn't you keep going and keep fighting? And you're the person in that role who's seeing the death right there in front of you. You think that all presidents should have some kind of military background since they're commander in chief. I've said that. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every president should have like something like two years, three years, something, something military, something. Cause I feel like you have to know what the sacrifice is because you've been there mm -hmm. versus not knowing the sacrifice. Cause you're, you know, sitting on your high horse, not dealing with war yourself. I mean, you're, you're, you're setting up some really good foreshadowing. Number one, number two, I could play devil's advocate and say, well, if you come from a war hawk community or war hawk mm -hmm. mindset, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So then you don't have the concept. Well, you have less of a concept of diplomacy and you're like, bring in the tanks, bring in the, the bling, bring in the planes and everything. So, uh, JFK was in naval intelligence and then when it came time mm -hmm. for the cuban missile crisis he, he wasn't like yeah we gotta get the nukes going he was very him and his brother robert when they when they weren't hooking up with uh, Marilyn monroe they were like yeah let's save the world from a uh, nuclear fallout so uh they i mean they had military experience i don't know if they had uh like field. combat experience they just bayonet people like right is that what we are going to do on on presidents? Like, how many people have you bayoneted in your? Right. We need a minimum ten each president. Like, I mean, yeah. our first president was like leading this mm -hmm. battle. Oh yeah. You know? No 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 no. Up until recently, I say recently. Up until what we talked about last time, McKinley was the last Civil War um, soldier. Mm -hmm. uh, but Teddy took over for him, and Teddy saw action saw saw real deal action teddy roosevelt uh went down to cuba rough riders and all that so up until i say fairly recently last hundred years okay we had eisenhower obviously general mm -hmm. kennedy he had uh nixon was in the navy and then after nixon 
Reagan was an actor. Mm -hmm. George Bush Sr. wasn't. Lyndon Johnson was, who knows? I think, come on, Bush Sr. was head of CIA before he was. So if he didn't, he had to have a military background of some kind. I don't think you get to be in, I don't think you get to head up the CIA unless you've killed someone. What, W. Bush was like National Guard or something? Oh, right, right. yeah. W. Bush (laughs) was like, that's a huge asterisk on that guy. He's very much, you know, he was a cheerleader at Yale. So I think But Clinton was, Clinton didn't have military. Obama didn't have military. Clinton didn't inhale. Trump doesn't have military. Biden doesn't have military. Mm Mm-hmm. So, right. Yeah, it's been yeah. a couple decades. Got a, we got a full two generations. Carter, Carter doesn't mm. strike me. Carter might have been military. You know, he's he's just he's just uh, maybe Carter is like the best president ever. It's just such a good such a good guy. But uh, speaking of best presidents ever, Shannon Esquire, can I can I take you to September 19, eighteen eighty one? Sure. Yes, I would like to take you to September 19, 1881. <laughs> We're going to talk about James Garfield. Born oh, I love in, lasagna. Born 1831. This is the 20th president of the United States. He is from Ohio. He is from Cuyonga, Cuyoga uh, County. He was a Civil War general. There you go. So back, okay. back in the olden days, you know, we would have presidents that saw they were in the shit right mm-hmm. he grew up very poor uh he's the youngest of five kids he's the last of the log cabin presidents seven log cabin presidents mm. so uh yeah once upon a time presidents would come from nothing they would come from poverty they're not all uh you know super duper rich guys garfield let me tell you this is amazing very 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 unsung hero and this guy is an absolute badass james garfield so he comes from he comes from nothing he comes from log cabin he uh, uh i read a story he didn't even get his first pair of shoes till he was like four his dad died at age two his dad died when he was age two when when garfield james garfield was age two okay so his uh, dad didn't die at two his dad did not uh, uh <laughs> preserve his dna <laughs> So, uh, yeah, there's a whole story on uh, from the uh, biographer for Garfield about his dad and his dad's death and his dad's last words to the mom was, uh, I gave you four young saplings talking about his kids or uh, five. <laughs> he, he, like, spoke to his, his uh, oxen or whatever before he died. Uh, anyway, that was his dad. Dad was, like, a big burly dude. Garfield was a big burly dude also. Uh, what can I say about this guy? He left home at 16. At 16, he was like, you know, angry teenager. He's like, I'm out of here. He, he wasn't like, he, he was super nice. He he loved his mom very much. Later on, when he became president, his mom lived in the White House with him for, oh, wow. I don't know. I mean, so we'll get to that about like how long he was in the White House. Anyway, he used to carry her, physically carry her up and down the stairs of the White House. So 16... He leaves a he leaves home. He's like, I'm a, I'm going out in the world. I'm gonna do it. I'm 16, and he goes and he works for uh, the canals out there in Ohio. So this uh, like Erie Canal, that whole area. Uh, there's a bunch of stories. He kept falling off the boat. He fell off the boat. <laughs> he he kept falling off the boat. 
fell off the boat something like 14 times in six months, ends up getting sick, and then he goes home. He's like, hmm, sorry, that was bad. That was a bad idea. So when he gets home, he becomes a voracious reader. Absolute amazing, amazing guy. And uh, eventually he gets he goes off to college uh, a year or so later. So the, the college that he went to was, it, it was a, like a seminary school. It wasn't like a college college. And so he his first year, like leading up to it, uh, he works as a janitor and a carpenter first year. And then uh, by uh, year two, he is professor of literature and ancient languages within the first like two years. This is a theme that you're going to see. And a lot of people have said that he is the most intellectual president out of all the presidents. Out of all of the pants of all of the presidents, James Garfield could be the smartiest of the smarty pants in all of the presidents. He's a uh, how smart? How smart is this guy? Uh, I just I just told you about like when was the last time you went to college and like by the by your third fourth semester they were like you're a professor now. So <laughs> he didn't he did that. There's a famous story about him. He was uh, uh, at one point he he was able to write Greek and Latin at the same time. Like he wrote Greek with the left hand and Latin with the right hand. He was uh, very big into literature. He was a huge Shakespeare fan. And then eventually he goes from there kind of like grad school. So he does a, you know, he does some time over at this uh, seminary school where he meets his future wife, Lucretia. Then he books it over to Williams College uh, and then um, becomes president of Williams College by age 26. Then he, yeah, then he comes back to the the seminary school. And then uh, I think... um, yeah, oh, sorry. So then he's president of Williams College, 26, and then he he gets into teaching, and he's doing uh he's doing pastoring, he's doing uh God stuff, going around. He ma- he makes money, something I don't know if they said like a gold shilling or whatever, and then uh, later on he's like he publishes and publishes and publishes. He's got a lot of articles in the Atlantic, uh, Atlantic. He taught Greek, he taught Latin, he taught math, he taught history, philosophy, and he was big on debate. Apparently, he was a uh, I think that's how he was kind of uh, wowing his future wife, Lucreta. He was like, hey, check out my debate skills. (laughs) He's also uh, notorious for liking three foods, his favorite foods, milk, bread, and squirrel stew. Ooh, good old bowl of squirrel stew. I don't know if he knew that you could make like just regular stew, like lamb stew. Uh, Anyway, Mm -hmm. I didn't know this, that the, the White House has a cookbook online and you can get all these recipes from presidents like all of their favorite meals going going back and back and back like literally like going back to to uh to good old george so then so he's you know he does all this he becomes the president of university by 26 which is amazing uh and then uh he these two years he has these two years where he's just doing sort of teaching and and pastoring talking about god and then during that time, he studies for his law, his law degree. So Sean Esquire, we had talked briefly about in the olden days, we're in like the 18, 1860s, right? 1861, he becomes a lawyer. He just, okay. he, there's, there's no law school. You just no, study. No, you just, you, you apprenticed under a lawyer and. You study for two years and then, and then you take the bar, whatever that is. And Sean Esquire and I, we would both, everybody, Again, Doc Law podcast on the on the X at Doc Law. If anybody can find an old bar exam 
I'm talking about an old like 1860s bar. I would love to see what's on that. Yeah, we we think I'll do that, some research. We think that the bar exams from way back when, like 90 percent of it was um, name the Ten Commandments. I was like, mm-hmm. is murder wrong? True or false? <laughs> So 1861 becomes a lawyer. Then 1861, China Squire, it's it's wartime, time for civil war. James Garfield hates slavery. He's uh, he is definitely he's pretty progressive. Sorry, hiccups over here. He's pretty progressive. Uh, I would say very progressive for uh, for the time that he grew up. 1958, he gets married to Lucretia. Uh, eventually, they have seven kids. Five of them made it to adults. Now we're August 61. He becomes a colonel in the 42nd Ohio Infantry. Only thing is, Sean Esquire, 42nd Ohio Infantry doesn't exist. Only on paper. So they said, you're the, you're the colonel. You're the leader guy. Um, Go find some dudes, please. Please go, (laughs) please go make this happen. So he ended up, he ended up recruiting friends and form and former students. So, Remember that time your professor was like, "Hey, what's uh, what have you been up to?" Oh, that's cool. Hey, you want to go to war? Let's go. <laughs> you want to get shot at? Then, uh, so again, you're going to see this throughout his career. He gets promotions everywhere he goes. He is a lovable guy. He's a big dude. He's uh, like six feet. He's 210 pounds. He's like big burly guy. He likes the drinking. He's uh, got a little, a little bit of a womanizing. We, we would hang out with James Garfield. This guy is, he's, he's one of these buff nerds, basically. I, and I'm a, I'm a huge fan of buff nerds. Like, oh, super smart guy. That's cool. Oh, super, uh, like, six foot burly. He would give you, like, a bear hug. Everybody loved this guy. So he, he made friends everywhere he went. And um, multiple promotions. Then he gets sick in the, in the army. He gets dysentery, <laughs> dysentery and jaundice. And then, uh, so he has to go to... He has to go to D.C. By the way, also, youngest brigadier general ever, right? Youngest professor, youngest president at age 26, youngest brig- brigadier brigadier general. Uh, so then he goes to D.C. In D.C., a couple things happen. One is he, he starts laying the groundwork for finding all of um, his political connections. And, uh, you know, some people, they go to D.C., you see the sites. Hey, Oh, and he took a mistress. Sometimes you go to DC and you take a mistress. His uh, wife found the love letters, and that was like a whole thing. He had to get rid of the mistress, uh, which was fine because she—I think she was already engaged at that time. So uh, then, uh, then it's Civil War time, and then he gets—he gets, he gets uh, promoted to major general. And uh, now it's 1862, and his friends, while he's while he's still in the army, uh, they convince him to run for Congress. So he goes, uh, he's on medical leave. He says, I don't want to, I don't want to campaign. His friends say, fine, we'll take care of it. And he wins. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't, <laughs> that's how likable he is. Uh, he wins the 38th Congress. And then uh, days before he starts his term, his daughter dies. Daughter, uh, three, three years old, the daughter dies. And also, by the way, uh, youngest member of Ohio legislator, youngest brigadier general, Youngest member of Ohio legislation, 26 years old, runs, becomes president of a, of a university. This guy is a rock star everywhere he goes. So then 1860, uh, 1861, he does U.S. House of Representatives. And then 1863 to 1880, 
1880, he does U.S. House of Representatives. He is the only sitting member of the House of Representatives ever to become President of the United States. Wow. Yeah. He he keeps doing these amazing things where he's like the youngest the youngest guy ever to do this, the first guy ever to do that. So 1862, he meets with Lincoln, and um, basically he wants to go to war, right? Because his daughter died, he's very distraught, and he feels like that's where he needs to be. That's where that's what's going to uh, assuage his his uh, his inconsolable remorse the best. Lincoln says, "We have enough generals." And not enough congressmen with military experience. Sean Esquire, you called it. Boom. There it is. He didn't he wasn't a huge fan of Lincoln, but anyway, <clears throat> resigned. That was it. 1863 to 1880, uh, House of Representatives. Um, he he wants to get rid of slavery. He was uh, so one of the reasons he didn't like Lincoln because Lincoln wasn't hard enough on the Southerners. He wanted to take the Southern plantations and give them to slaves and the other thing is uh, he felt like a lot of the people that led the Confederacy should be executed and or, I say and or, executed or, or uh, exiled. And that brings up an important point. Shannon Squire, I've gone back and forth on this. So Lincoln was all about healing the nation. Mm-hmm. Do you think we should have executed anybody? Or I kind of think like maybe we should have at least exiled some of the leaders of the Confederacy. Well, at least we kind of we kind of did because when the war was won they basically took a vote on slavery but it didn't even include the southern states if I, if my history is correct and i think it's we had to take the vote and then they had to agree to come back into the union. Well, there was no, like they were coming back into the union, but it's basically like, Hey, we've passed slave, uh, uh, you know, abolishing slavery. So you're coming back in and you're accepting that vote. Right. But beyond slavery, the, the guys that were heading up the Confederacy, the guys that were heading up, um, seceding, like yeah. the, the traitors, just call them traitors. The traitors. Shouldn't we, shouldn't we hang traitors? I don't, I don't know. I think, I think Lincoln was a genius in to the extent that he knew what healing was in terms of like letting the country heal. But at the same time, there's a part of me that thinks, well, okay, one, like traders should probably be hung or whatever they did back then. They didn't have the electric chair or, or at least exile. Yeah. I, I don't know if he thought if we do that, are you going to face a second uprising from supporters in the south i think that is if that wasn't like the top of his brain then i think that was towards the top is okay we've had enough bloodshed i mean for god's sakes we had one battle with twenty-two thousand, and this is you know 1860s u.s we didn't have 300 million people like we do now 330 million plus people that we have now so you lose twenty-two thousand people in one day that's huge that's a yeah yeah so maybe that was that was the thinking. Uh, James Garfield, he did call the Klan terrorist. He wanted black soldiers to have equal pay. He was huge on education because he was a former teacher. He believed in universal education. He pushed for that. Big on the gold standard. And uh, he wanted to... He was get very rid aggressive. Of that. Yeah, like I said, for 1860s, for sure. Uh, he wanted to get rid of that 
they had a thing back in the old days where you could buy your way out of the army Ooh. that like if you were going to get drafted you can just like cut a check or whatever i know they didn't have checks but you know they were just like oh i don't so he's like yeah that's not fair for people that because he came from poverty you're talking about oh well the president should have some military background because he's commander-in-chief and he might have to put his finger on a button and and nuke an entire part of the west eastern hemisphere or whatever i think the president should have some idea of what a gallon of milk cost mm. and, and yeah. i'm not to say like you know should we have a billionaire president no i don't and and you can't really like cut it off but then again also i'm gonna say like for god's sakes no 80 no 80 more no more 80 year old presidents everybody so <laughs> that's another thing on james garfield james garfield while he was in congress 1863 to 1880 every every once in a while i say every once in a while all the time this guy was always working always reading always writing writing articles and he was john esquire he would walk across the street because he was in congress and he would go to the supreme court and he would argue cases he was a supreme court lawyer supreme court of the united states lawyer at the same time while he was uh, serving in congress you can't do that now obviously but he was doing that back then and on top of that his first case ever, Sean Esquire, your first case ever, do you remember it? Oh, definitely in front of the Supreme Court, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his first case ever was the Supreme Court. It was a, it was a big to-do. Uh, do you remember yours? It was like a small thing? Or... Uh, I, I don't. don't. I don't remember my first patient as like a, as an attending, but I do remember my very first patient in training. Because I just remember, you know, that like, okay, uh, time to make decision. Gastro gastroparesis. I remember this lady, and then yeah, yeah, and then I what's, saw her years later, and she what's was doing... gastro? Like, you can't fart. Her di- <laughs> gastro. Yeah, her diabetes is so bad that your your gut doesn't move the stuff that gut is supposed to move. So, yeah, his first case ever was Supreme Court. So again, James Garfield has this Midas touch. Everything he touches is gold. He's he's a he's a total badass. Now, this takes us to the election of 1880. It was a very, very contentious time. I'm going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get into how James Garfield became president. Welcome back to A Doctor and a Lawyer Walk into a Podcast. I have the giant beer mug, and so I have to make a bathroom trip. Sean Esquire had to talk to someone, and I'm very upset because I don't like it when Sean Esquire has friends other than me. I think I'm the only friend that he needs. I don't know why you feel the need to go, you know, trying to kiss a lot of frogs. I don't know, man. Whatever. <laughs> trying to hurt our relationship. Election 1880. This is the 24th presidential election. Oh, China divisible Square. by 20. <laughs> kind of. I'm not going to check the math on that right now. Hey, let me get on my phone and let me get on my abacus. Sean uh, Esquire. Much like today, these are very contentious times. Remember that the uh, Civil War is not that long ago. Lincoln was assassinated 16 years ago. Um, yeah, 65, 1865. And so uh, this is uh, June, right? This is the longest Republican National Convention in history. Because oh. they're, coming, they're coming off of uh, Rutherford Hayes. He's a one-term dude. He was very corrupt. 
Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford Hayes. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So just remember that the country is pretty much like, well, we're going to vote Republicans because we hate the South. We hate Democrats and they succeed in everything like that. Republican National Convention. It had two big camps in the Republicans back then, the stalwarts and the half breeds. That's good. They would, yeah, they went by the half breeds. Oh, Harry the, Potter. The stall, the stalwarts. They're very big into the spoil system. So the spoil system is basically, I know a, I have a friend. He's a he's a politician. He's gonna he's gonna make me the chief of police. So he's gonna make me the ambassador to uh, to Paris. That's gonna come up here in a little bit. And so the spoil system. It was like you know, friend of a friend, and and. That's a, they rewarded people that got you elected, basically. And, and it's a Soviet rewarded. system. Yeah, it's very like, well, it's cronyism 101. So, um, not exactly communism, but uh, you, oligarch. You want to say ol- oligarchy? You can go well, with that. I, I know, like, during, uh, during Chernobyl event, like, the minister of science or whatever was. He, he had like a shoe factory before he wasn't a science guy, but it was just like who you knew. And they were like, Oh, we're going to appoint you as minister of this area because we yeah. like you. Yeah. I don't think that was communism as much as it was like cronyism, but yeah, it was the spoil system. Uh, lipstick on a pig, man. So <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the half breeds, that's what they went by, by the way. They were basically, they called them that because they were half Republicans. So basically what you would call rhinos now. Yeah, Republican in name only. Republicans in name only, yes. And then so the half-breeds, they believe in you know the merit system. So they, in a lot of ways, the half-breeds, despite the fact of having a horrible name, they work on their PR guy. They, they were kind of the good guys. Uh, they were not political favors. So 1880, you got Ulysses Grant, right? This mm-hmm. is his, he's, he's going for a third term and the U S is like, Hey, George Washington didn't do a third term. What the hell, who the hell do you think you are? Ulysses S grant S S grant S grant. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sam, Sammy Sasquatch. Probably uh Sas, Sasparilla, uh, Ulysses Sasparilla grant. Don't look it up everybody. So, um, <laughs> so he's trying to, <laughs> he's trying to nail down that third term and uh, that's not going to go well. Then there's James Blaine. He's half. He's a half breed guy. There's John Sherman. Uh, I think going into the Republican National Convention, there there a lot of people were like John Sherman's going to be the dude. Whatever his story is, uh, I don't have to read up on all these people. Everybody, I got I'm trying to get to a goddamn assassination over. So, Gar- <laughs> so the Republicans uh, they said uh, no to the stalwart, and they said no to the half breeds. And so Garfield is a reluctant president, right? He called the presidency a bleak mountain. He saw, so he saw a lot of people in DC that, so every politician in DC is like presidency, presidency, presidency. He saw a lot of people kind of destroy their lives with ambition. And Garfield tried to remain a humble guy. I think he was very cognizant of uh, how, like how the public perceived him. So the way that they dealt with it, they said, we'll, 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 get, uh, we'll get Chester, we'll get good old Chester Arfield, uh, Arthur, <laughs> Chester, uh, Chester Arthur in there. And uh, he'll, he'll, be, uh, he'll be the sidekick. He'll be the vice president. Chester, Gar- Chester Arthur was a stalwart. So, um, so he was nominated as the running mate. 
just to sort of appease everybody. By the way, Chester, Arthur, General, Sean Esquire, James Garfield, General, the Democrats, they run this guy, uh, Winfield Scott, Winfield Scott uh, Hancock, mm-hmm. ex-general. <laughs> so you're talking about like, oh, we need all yeah. these military people. It, all these military. It was it was everybody except for the one dude for the everybody except for the Democrat um, vice president guy. So this really weird thing happens at the Republican National Convention, and there's this great biography on uh, on James Garfield, and there's an entire chapter dedicated to what happened. Basically, there's the New York Senator uh, Conkling is the head dude. He's heading up the convention. He's the GOP, like that time. He's the GOP dude, uh, like the head of the GOP guy. He's a stalwart, right? So he's like, oh, you, uh, Ulysses Grant, he's the dude. Three terms. Uh, I don't think anybody's going to go for that. And then uh, there was three West Virginia delegates who said no to Ulysses S. Grant. Conkling, head GOP dude, says, get rid of them, expel them. And then here comes Garfield. Garfield defends these West Virginia delegates. He gives this amazing speech, and it's his time to shine. Now, remember, Garfield, teacher, lawyer, rock star, Latin, Greek, mathematician, uh, published a uh, Pythagorean theorem in the uh, New England Journal of Education, so um, he knows how to uh, he knows how to give a speech there. He's a silver tongue guy, and he really delivers, and uh, the crowd loves it. They they fall in love with him. So uh, then, uh, he, that's how he gets the well. There's a deadlock, right? They, I think they go through like thirty three, thirty four different rounds. There's a deadlock, and it becomes between Grant and Blaine, and then two dudes decide the fate of the country. There's Jeremiah Rusk, great name, is Wisconsin delegate, and Benjamin Harrison is the Indiana delegate. They shifted a few of the anti-Grant votes to the dark horse known as Garfield. There you go. So so that was it. They were like, oh, uh, you know, Grant, he wants a third term. That's not going to fly. The other guys, who knows? Oh, uh, Garfield just nailed the speech. He's very intelligent, eloquent. He's six feet. He's 210. He's 210 pounds. He's a man's man, boozing. He had a mistress or two, three, four, five. (laughs) He's he's a dude, man. They love this guy. So that's it. That's how I don't think that Garfield woke up that day went to the Republican National Convention and was like, I'm going to, I'm going to become the president. He was like, maybe I'll be, maybe I'll be like fourth, fifth, I'm, I'll, I'll be in the running, whatever. So a lot of people have referred to him as the reluctant president. He gets 50 votes uh, on the uh, 35th ballot for the convention and then boom, he's in. So then he is, uh, he protested to the Ohio delegation that he did not want to seek the nomination and he didn't want to betray Sherman but Ohio, his home state, they overruled the ejections, and uh, boom, bang, boom, Garfield is our guy. So it's amazing. So the 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 because the Dems were responsible for successions of war, they don't have a snowball's chance in hell. And now we're at the the election election. But when you go back to the eighteen eighty 
Republican National Convention, the whole chain of events is is crazy. I don't know if anything like that has ever happened in the history of of um like a dude getting nominated. That just it came to be. So uh, there's about nine million popular votes, uh, and then it was really close for the popular votes. At, like that, it was literally down to like two thousand people, uh, like something like one thousand eight hundred and eighty people for the popular votes. Uh, but the Electoral College was kind of a uh, rip-roaring success, uh, 214 to 155. And then and then Garfield says, oh, Blaine, remember, he's the, uh, he's the half-breed dude. He brings mm-hmm. him in to become the Secretary of State, kind of his right-hand man. And then so he's he, very smart that he has, he has uh, Chester, right? That's the stalwart. And he's got a half-breed, very, very smart. And then, uh, so this is the beginning of uh, Garfield being presidency. And and then his inauguration, a lot of things. He stays up three days, three nights to write his inauguration. And then it turns out to be not a great speech, but one of the things he does, he denounces the Mormon polygamy publicly. (laughs) He's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I believe in universal education. And I think that, Black soldiers should be paid equal to white soldiers, and uh, and I believe in uh, that black should vote. He was he was very strong uh, supporter of black suffrage, and I these damn Mormons with their fifteen Y, <laughs> shut it down, son of a bitch Mormons. <laughs> he specifically called out the Mormons. Did not speech. go over well in Utah. I don't think he needed he needed that. Uh, yeah, we talked about how progressive he was on his. Uh, he he gave these high positions to uh, Frederick Douglass, uh, Robert Elliott, uh, Blanche Bruce was like the first black senator of the uh, of the South, uh, first black senator to serve a full term. So uh, very very progressive guy, supporter of a uh, supporter of the blacks. So. Um, just a just a brilliant guy, very 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 unsung hero. Sean Esquire, James Garfield, presidency time wise. What do you think? We've 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 both laughed about this in in private. Um, short. <laughs> no, nailed it. Let me <laughs> let, let me not drink while you're answering. Okay, so inauguration March fourth, right? Mm-hmm. And then he gets shot. I don't know. Spoiler alert, everyone. James Garfield gets shot. Uh, July the 2nd. So 120 days into his presidency, he gets shot. Then from July 2nd, then he passes away on September the 19th. So he dies uh, 79 days later. And we're, we're going to get to that here in a little bit. Mm. So we're, we're looking I at... I have my own medical diagnosis for that. 200 to... I believe Dr. Blom... Yeah. It's called lead poisoning. Here we go. <laughs> Fibromyalgia. Uh, yeah, it's about 200, 200 days presidency. Um, not the shortest presidency ever. So uh, like we talked about, this was the spoil system. Okay. So in the spoil system, in those days, Sean Esquire, there were like huge lines of people in the White House. By the way, the White House in... <laughs> The White House in 1880, 1881 versus mm-hmm. now, not the same at all. So first of all, there's no Secret Service. Not, mm-hmm. There's none of that. There were these huge lines of people that basically they would come to the White House looking for jobs. 
because like I said, the spoil system. And there was one guy who was part of that. His name was Charles Gateau. This guy, this guy is real piece of shit. Born in 1841. He was born in Illinois. Uh, his, um, his mom died when he was, uh, his mom died, uh, 1841. So, Charles Gateau is the opposite of James Garfield. James Garfield's dad dies when he was two. Charles Gateau's mom dies. When Garfield uh, was two, not when, his dad. Um, so everything James Garfield does is amazing. He's brilliant. He gets promotions everywhere he goes. He gets promoted through uh, during the Civil War. His first lawyer case is the Supreme Court. Everything he does, he is a rock star. Charles Gateau is a failure, abject failure at everything he does. He failed his entrance exam into Michigan University. Uh, and then in 1860, he goes into this, uh, like a cult, like a sex cult, the Oneida committee, uh, Oneida community. He's there for like four years. So this is a, you know, you know how it is in sex cults where it's like, Hey, get over here. It's, uh, we're doing, doing sex stuff. The mm-hmm. girl, the girl, <laughs> So I would feel sorry for this guy if he wasn't such a murderous scoundrel piece of shit. Uh, so Charles Gateau, the girls in the sex cult called him Charles Get Out. <laughs> this guy. Uh, also, Sean Esquire, Charles Gateau, became a lawyer, right? Mm, classic so no, move. Right. There's no law school. You, we just study and then take the, take the test or whatever. It was a Scantron. There was like 10 questions or whatever. I don't know. We don't know everybody. We want to know what the, what the hell the bar exam was in 1880. He only he only had one case ever, all right, and uh, he lost. His client, his client was convicted. Uh, James Garfield, many many cases. His first case ever, Supreme Court. He won. He won that one, and then he proceeded to have many many cases. Um, his he had to get into Charles Gateau had to get into bill collecting. Always broke. This guy was always just a deadbeat, just a scumbag he was always like he would run up debts and he would leave town his wife divorced him because he beat her uh at one time his parents put him in an insane asylum and he escaped so, <laughs> so yeah stupid insane asylum had you done your job and not let the crazy guy escape we could have had garfield we could have had uh, garfield not get shot spoiler alert, sorry hang on your time oh Sean Esquire, fill the fill the void while I drink. No, we're all out. <laughs> so then, um, okay, now it's May eighteen eighty one, right? He's hanging around Charles Gateau's. Like he's just bumming around DC, and he's 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 literally going to the White House. He's trying to meet with the president. He's like, I want to I want to be the ambassador to Paris. I want to do this. I guess because his last name's Gateau, like a French name, whatever. He keeps bothering Blaine. He keeps bothering um. Garfield's right hand man, Sean Esquire. Back in the 1880s, you could just roll into the White House <laughs> and you could just like meet with the president's right hand man. You could see him in the hallway and be like, "Hey, hey, hey let's uh, let's talk about me getting a job." They, yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> so eventually, that's where the uh, unemployment Bl- line started. Blaine gets pissed off and he's like, "Leave me alone. Get away from me. Don't ever talk to me again." Don't ever talk to me about Paris. Just get away. You're you're disgusting. You know he he had the one suit he would wear that all the time. Uh, he was eventually he had all these crazy crazy guy quotes because he was crazy. 
He said that he was commissioned by God. Now, September 19, 1881, uh, he had commented eventually that he knew that no knife would work against Garfield because, quote, Garfield would have crushed the life out of me with a single blow. Garfield, Ooh. six feet, 210 pounds, like linebacker. By the way, 1880, uh, most dudes are like 5'8". If you look at the, you know, like boats and stuff back back then, six foot was was giant in 1880. So, so I would have been a giant. Yes, you would be. Uh, you'd be uh, a Doyle. A Doyle rules everywhere you go. September 19, 1881. Adorned by millions, feared. This is Lothar women's, of women's Sean women. Esquire of the Hill people. They would the, the villagers would chase you away, Sean Esquire. They would be like, "Get out of here, we don't." I'm have a full enough, blood. We don't have enough food for you, giant. Go, or full, go, full breed. Go back. Go back to your beanstalk. They would throw rotten potatoes at you. You know, they would. <laughs> <laughs> they'd put you in the stockades, Sean Esquire. You can't be. You can't. Didn't have a lot of food back then. <laughs> if you're six feet tall, you can be president, or you could be in the stockades. That's it. That's the. You know, I'm sorry. Them's them's the rules. So it's September 19, 1881. Uh, Charles Gatto, he wakes up. He writes a letter. Um, by the way, before he decides to kill uh, the president, he like goes and he tries to tour the prison where he's going to be. All kinds okay. of crazy stuff. Uh, so on September 19th, uh, 1881, he wakes up. He gets his shoes his shoes shined. He wants to look nice, you know, mm-hmm. when he shoots the president. He's got a forty four caliber British Bulldog revolver. And, uh, again, he had to borrow the money to get it. And then, uh, when he goes to the gun shop, they're like, well, we have the pearl handle. We have the wooden handle. He goes, well, he didn't say anything, but in his crazy, crazy guy brain, he said, I want the pearl handle so that when it goes in a museum that everyone, so that it looks nicer. And, and then he ends up talking them down, you know, talks them out of a, a, a he doesn't have enough money cause he's a deadbeat. I think he borrowed the money from his brother-in-law, who also was <laughs> his his lawyer when uh, <laughs> when he has to defend himself for murdering the president. So um, anyway, the the gun guy says, uh, "Okay, I'll give you the I'll give you the pearl the pearl handle, blah blah blah." So uh, now, he, so he goes to the train station. This is a DC train train station, and Sean Esquire. Abraham Lincoln, he created the uh, Secret Service. So, <clears throat> how many bodyguards are with James Garfield Secret Service? Any any bodyguards? Uh, zero is the answer. James okay. Garfield had zero, as we uh, talked about for the McKinley assassination. The country, <laughs> the government, was not really impressed when a president got assassinated. And a second president got assassinated, and a third president got assassinated, and they're like, "Oh, maybe we should, maybe we should get like a security detail." Sean Esquire, who was with James Garfield when he gets shot. So, oh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, Charles Guteau, he goes into the train station because he's been stalking Garfield this whole time, right? Goes to the train station. He has his uh, forty-eight caliber British Bulldog revolver. Two shots. So the first shot sort of like hits arm grazes his uh, shoulder second shot goes into his back it's by his lumbar Sean Esquire don't say anything 
about the aortic, the aortic bifurcation. No, it's not involved in this what, story. Where, where was the one from L three to L four? Happy that you not that you know some anatomy. I'm very happy that you know uh, you know that's good, man. That's the point of the podcast is, is learn stuff. Enjoy. Which vertebrae in the <laughs> lumbar was this strike? I'm glad that you asked. It's L four. I think it's L three to L four. L two. I think it's it's by lumbar two on the left. Okay, this is very important. Actually, that's a really good question because this is going to come up here in a little bit. It's by L two. The the I say the fatal bullet. It's by L two, and then it it kind of lodges over by the pancreas. So that's that's the mm. two shots. And then uh, Charles Guteau, he gets swarmed right, and they take him off and everything. But here is one of my favorite parts of the story. Who is with James Garfield when he is shot twice? He, he so second and the second shot, and then he he goes down like a sack of bricks. I think he says something like um like what happened, and he goes down. But but again, like I want to get to who was there with him when he gets shot at the train station in DC. Jesus. <clears throat> not obviously not the Mormon Jesus because he spoke out against them. Right. <laughs> The other, the real Jesus, <laughs> the non, <laughs> the non polygamy Jesus. <laughs> By the way, Mormons, don't get mad at us. We're talking about. This is not my beliefs. That was Garfield's. I mean, 1880 Mormons. You can shit on them all you want. They didn't like black people. They had like a separate heaven for whites and blacks, whatever. So everybody that wants to defend 1880 Mormons, go ahead, uh, boo, blow us up. Okay, I'm not going to sit here. And apologize for loving humanity, all all the colors, and uh, and everybody whatever. So hey, two shots, boom, goes down, and uh, yeah, other. I mean, Jesus was there. What he's he's everywhere. He's he's in your heart. That's where he is. <laughs> uh, both of his sons are there. I say both of his sons. Two of his sons are there. <laughs> his his uh, his right hand right hand man. It's like, what, what happened? He hit you right in the lumbar. L3 to L4. It's L, L, it was around L2. I don't think it hit L2. I think it was by L2. And then the bullet was over there on the left, right? So, uh, again, remember that over there by the pancreas there. Uh, it's 44 caliber, so not, not a rifle, right? It didn't, like, tear yeah. through him. Big mm. caliber, though, the old 44 mm -hmm. Magnum. A left side L two ish, right? This is a forty four caliber, and then Sean Esquire, son of a bitch, who was there on the day of the shooting? That's what I'm trying to get to, man. You're gonna thank me for that. I'm sorry, man. I don't mean to snap at you. Sugar, my sugar crash. Right, the two sons, right? And and Jesus, right? Mormon Jesus. <laughs> Back to that again. Uh, the mistress. There's some other people. <laughs> He took his mistress everywhere. She was she's a clingy girlfriend. That mistress, Robert Todd Lincoln. Who's Robert Todd Lincoln? First of all, he's Secretary of War, right? But mm -hmm. who else? Some Co schmuck. The, probably the brother of Abe. <laughs> he's the son. So Robert Todd Lincoln is there. He's when uh, when Garfield gets shot, right in the back. That's the son of Abe. This is the son of Abe, right? And Abe was killed 16 years ago. Robert Todd Lincoln. Not from today's date, from Garfield's date. Robert Todd Lincoln has the distinction of, he saw his dad die, right? His dad assassinated. Mm -hmm. Lincoln was, Abraham Lincoln was his dad. I don't know. If He's the that. curse. 
So Robert Todd, maybe. And and then here we are, James Garfield, 1881. And then McKinley. He saw McKinley got shot or he was there, whatever the story. Anyway, three out of the four presidents that were assassinated, Robert Todd Lincoln was there. Coincidences, yeah. coincidences don't happen in assassinations, Dr. Blum. <laughs> I think that's... I think that's what Ken Paxton said. So, okay, now uh, uh, Garfield is shot. He's, he's, he's got one in the back. The, the one that grazes his arm, whatever, 44 cow. And then uh, Charles Gotilla, they take him off to jail. When they take him off to jail, he's like immediately like, let me tell you my autobiography. Um, it's 1881, Sean Esquire. So uh, the doctors, they're like, oh, let's do doctor stuff. <laughs> Time, time to do doctor stuff. Oh, he's got a hole in his back. There's a bullet there. What are we going to do? I'm surprised they didn't get like a bucket of leeches and like, this will save him. They start jabbing their fingers and start jabbing their fingers in there. Now, this is not like way beyond Joseph Lister, right? Joseph Lister is credited for the, ger- the germ theory. We are 1920s, 1928 is Alexander Fleming with penicillin. Uh, Florence Nightingale is around in the 1880s, almost definitely. Um, Who's Florence Nightingale? Oh, she's famous for like uh, helping regarding like germ theory, washing like you know basic wash your hands before you jab your fingers in a man that just got shot. So this doctor is there, or you know they call a doctor, and he's like, "Oh, the president shot," and I jab my gross finger in there. Ah, oh, I, I don't know what's going on. And then there's another doctor, and it's like, "Excuse, excuse me, I have disgusting sausage fingers. Let me just jab them <laughs> in there. Get in there. I'm gonna. Ah, I can't get that bullet." And then there's another doctor. By the way, these are all doctor, doctors, right? These are the smartest doctors in the world ever. Sean Esquire, 12 doctors, 12 doctors jabbing their fingers, disgusting fingers. Like, doctor number five is like, I'm going to get it. And then doctor number six is picking his nose. He's like, I'm going to be next. Just got to scratch my balls. It's going to jab my fingers in the presence back. So, uh, yeah, things, things do not go well. This is kind of where the story gets in, insanely interesting. Pun intended. I did that, everyone. Uh, the trial for uh, Charles Coteau. So, so you have the trial, right? And you mm-hmm. also have, during this time, like we talked about, so uh, Garfield gets shot July 2nd, and he lives 79 days. He makes wow. it all the way to September 19th. During that That's time, when the lead got him. <laughs> during that time, Sean Esquire, the whole country is weighted with a bated breath, uh, mm. bated, bated breath. And then uh, they're just uh, pens and needles and all the cliches of waiting that you can think about when you haven't had 15 beers. And then so people are sending him, like the country is just like, here's some uh, pickle juice with some whiskey and some dirt from Tennessee that I made. And people are just sending stuff in all the time. You know, they're like, I'm a witch. Here's some bats blood eat these bat testicles you'll be fine i don't know exactly they sent him all kinds of weird stuff john esquire what was his favorite food favorite meal time bread Mm. milk and 
Whiskey. <laughs> Is this too? Oh, sounds <laughs> sounds like sounds like whirl pearl pearl sounds like pearl. Squirrel stew. <laughs> oh yeah, squirrel stew. <laughs> You know, he's squirrel stew is the best too. One of the there's all these famous st- these stories that come out. Seventy nine days, the president of the United States, man, he's laid out. He's got bullet lodged in his L two left side pancreas. There you go, right? Yeah, man, you nailed it. Nothing to do with the aorta. Thank you, Sean Esquire. He, he, so one of the things, the famous stories from this is there was two little girls. Uh, I don't know where they were from. They had a pet squirrel pet squirrel and they killed their pet squirrel for the president so that the president could have his favorite which was squirrel stew by the way couldn't eat it right he's dying because it's the 1880s and they don't know how to they're just like let's jab some more disgusting fingers in there (laughs) somebody's like have you tried the toes put some toes in there Let's get a monkey in here and get him to jab his fingers in there. See, we don't. Why, did, why didn't they put, they put a fun- in there? Put some spiders in that hole. That'll, that'll, that'll fix them. Why didn't they put a funnel drain in them to let the the spirits bring out? Oh, that that is such a good question. So the guy taking care of. I mean, eventually there's there's the guy that has to show up. He's like, I'm the doctor. I'm going to be doing all the doctor stuff. Everyone. Don't worry. You know, like when when, Kin- when McKinley was shot, like the dude, the doctor guy, he was, uh, I don't know, he was like 20 miles away, but he was, he needed to train and all this other stuff. And so uh, we got a nice 79 days here to try to fix the president of the United States, James, James Garfield. Plenty of time. Go in there and get that bullet. Maybe stop jabbing your dirty, disgusting fingers in this guy's in this guy's bullet <laughs> making things worse. Don't worry, there's a doctor on the case, Sean Esquire. Dr. D. Dude. Dr. D. Willard Bliss is the dude. He is the smartest doctor ever in the history of doctors. What does the D stand for for Dr. D? Dick. So, Dick is right, Dick Wad. Dr. D, D is for doctor. This guy gave himself the first name, a doctor. D, his first name was doctor. He wasn't born that way. Somewhere in his weird delusional life, he was like, what's your name? John the plumber? You should call yourself a plumber. My name, my name's doctor. I'm doctor, doctor. Well, maybe, he had a, maybe he had a stutter. <laughs> it was just that's how he played it off. Yeah, uh, D is for Dickwad for sure. This guy, this guy was horrible. He's D Willard Bliss. Oh my God! Uh, eventually, Alexander Bell. Yes, that example Alexander Bell is called Graham. Him. Alexander Graham. <laughs> yeah, that guy. The AGB. AGB. The president has been shot, Sean Esquire, by a forty-four. And the bullet is nowhere near the aorta. Stop asking. Mm-hmm. What do you, you, you got to call. Hey, let's call an at Alexander Grant Bell. And he, and he kicks he kicks the door in like a goddamn superhero. He's like, somebody want to use a phone? I don't know if you heard what a phone is. I made the phone, everyone. <laughs> he never shuts up. He never shuts up about the phone. <laughs> that's his. That's why his did, they, why did they call the, the phone guy in? 
Well, I mean, he got shot, man. Somebody's going to want to use the phone eventually. But Alex, oh, okay. AGB, the AG Bizzle, AG Bill, he just shows up. He was like, I assume you guys want a phone. He's like AT&T. He's just like, I'm going to run some wires over here, put some wires over there. And uh, mm-hmm. he like he told them that he was going to be there between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> He, he invented that also, everyone. So Alexander, yeah. Graham, Alexander Graham Bell shows up and he says, hey, everybody, remember that time I invented the phone because he never shuts up about that? And then he goes, I also invented dun, 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 metal detector. Oh. <laughs> Supposedly, I don't know, he probably <laughs> stole it from someone. In my head, somebody told Alexander Graham Bell, he was like, hey, man, I got this metal detector. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. And then he like got a like a piano wire and he choked him. <laughs> and then he <laughs> he was like, Alexander Graham Bell invented, <laughs> invented this metal detector. Anyway, so they call in the big the big bell, right? He, he shows up and then he's like, Hey, I got this metal detector. Don't worry. The D is here. <laughs> That's the the D for Doctor Doctor Dr. Dr. Bliss. <laughs> Doctor Bliss. First name is Doctor. So he's like Alexander Graham Bell. I don't know if you know this. You're not a doctor. So shut up when it comes to anything. And also, the bullet. There's a real thing that happened. It's like, the bullet is on the right. <laughs> like, oh, because uh, a uh, bullet wound's over there. And uh, pretty sure it's over there by the pancreas. Pancreas on the left side there. He goes, the bullet is on the right. Don't look at the left. <laughs> I'm the doctor here. My first name is doctor, and I'm also a doctor. That's how... How many doctors in my name do you need? All you did was a telephone, stupid. Shut up. <laughs> the doctor, he called him, and he was like, Alexander Graham Bell, the phone that you invented, it's for you. And he picked it up, and he goes, shut up, stupid. That was it. that was the phone call, and he hung it up. And then so, uh, anyway, so Alexander Graham Bell, he brings, he's very nice enough to bring his metal detector thing. Maybe he invented Maybe he murdered someone to do to the invention. And then he's like, uh, the doctor's like, oh, you can only do it on the right side. Also, the bed that uh, Garfield was on had metal springs. So that kind of messed up the generation one of the metal detector. So, yeah, that didn't, uh, that didn't work out. And then now we're getting to, over those 79 days, Garfield just like wasting away and wasting away. Shun Esquire, he went from 210 pounds to 130 pounds. Ooh, that's lead poisoning. Weight loss. <laughs> oh, 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 slow down, slow down there, Doctor House. Let's get to the, <laughs> get to what's going on there. So uh, now, now we have the trial. So the the trial is overlapping this kind of, you know, not really. The trial, Shana Square. I fully encourage you. Number one, as an attorney. Number two, as a defense attorney. Holy mackerel! You got to check this thing out. So uh, Charles Coteau, he's involved in his own case, right? He's not oh. defending himself because he had brought in the big guns, dun 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 dun, dun his brother-in-law, right? Because he doesn't have mm. any money. He doesn't have any money. So um, again, I think it's the same brother-in-law he borrowed money from to buy the gun. And uh, the brother-in-law and Charles Coteau, neither one of them have ever done a murder case ever, right? They're both mm-hmm. they're both idiots. And how long do you think the trial lasted? Three days. Three days. 72 days. Dang. 72 days. And the opening statement from uh, Charles Gateau's brother-in-law, whatever, 
uh, three days opening statement. Wow, Judge really didn't I'm, put a rain on him. I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling you, check this thing. I, I watched, I don't know, like a dozen videos on this and the trial and everything. And uh, Charles Gateau, during the trial, during the 72-day trial, he breaks out in song. He yells at his lawyer. He interrupts the judge. He talks about God all the time. He basically says, um, uh, oh, um, God told me to do this. I'm led by God. Who are you? All this other stuff. Not and a then, good defense. Uh, no, not a great defense. And then the um, – so his, I say, defense team, uh, defense person, whatever – they bring in these psychiatrists from around the country. So again, 1880s, the country doesn't know about mental health so much. There's like super crazy, and that's it. There's no concept of of uh, like normal psych thing. Minor depression have, or anxiety. Yeah, have like, or... They, they have like neurosyphilis, which is maybe maybe that's what the, what he had, and um, and then like mild so it's like spicy, you were schizophrenic spicy. or you weren't. Mm. You're either talking to yourself, seeing things. Voices or... in your head or whatever. Yeah, so they brought in all these experts from around the country. I don't know about around, around the country. And then there was, um, you know, basically like uh, a lot of the, there was a huge war between neurology and psychiatry back then. Mm. And, uh, you know, how much of it is a science and all this. And then there were many, many conversations, debates about, oh, um, we measure the head and then we measure all these different angles from ear to ear and and with the tongue and this and that and and i don't know if they were doing phrenology back then do you know phrenology that's like the study of ferns <laughs> yeah a lot of people uh pine needles the, one of the theories i mean it's a it can be applied many different ways yeah they would feel the bumps on the head and it would be like this guy is a gay or they would feel the bumps on the head and they would be like this guy is is a, is a moron or whatever yeah so they like like mentally well you can't say mentally retarded anymore uh cognitively delayed uh a hundred years ago they call them morons or imbeciles mm -hmm. right they and called they them that to, during the 1970s they had to, had to change had the Mac, name mcnamara's morons right <laughs> exactly oh my god yes the forrest gump guy is going to vietnam yes, going to vietnam yeah, and now the minimum IQ for Marines is something like seventy-seven or something crazy. I, I read this recently that they like they have a strict cutoff. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> right, yeah, you can't just be out there. Special needs, <laughs> just bunch of like bunch of guns, M60s or whatever. Anyway, so uh, the trial, amazing. Uh, Charles Coteau, he's singing, he yells at his lawyer, all kinds of stuff, and then we have. 72 days of the trial eventually then they say oh well it's jury time sean esquire oh. 70, 70 i i think you're gonna i think you're gonna like this part 72 days of trial how long does the jury deliberate 30 minutes seven minutes Okay. Quicker. So, yeah. Quick. I, I figure with that length of a trial, this jury is bored. They've already convicted him. It's going to be quick. You. So when the trials go crazy long, you think that the juries get pissed off, mm -hmm. and that there there's always that. And anytime you have a short deliberation period, it's a guilty. Right. No, no. That part. That part I understand. I'm just. Yeah. You know. I had read many, many years ago about. 
lawyers that can convince a jury of whatever, mm-hmm. but then they keep talking and keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. And you annoy and the, the jury. jury. The juries get pissed off and they say, we don't, we don't, we don't want to side with this guy. And they talk themselves out of all right. of the, yeah, that happens. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, seventy-two days on trial, and uh, I I recommend people you know check it out online if you can, and then seven minutes to convict, and then he got um, China Square time served. Mm, I would say the electric chair, but it wasn't invented yet. They didn't know what electricity was back then. Did they, they didn't have? Shadow Square, they didn't even know what electrons were. I bet they hung him. They hung him, yes. So uh, he gets uh, hanged, hung. He gets he gets hung. Well hung. Uh, before I get to the death well. of, of uh, Godot, let's talk about uh, Garfield, his last words, right? Mm-hmm. James Garfield... Uh, Last words were, quote, this pain, this pain. So one of the quotes, yeah, that's how miserable that he died. How horrible piece of shit that uh, Dr. D, Dr. Dr. Doctor was. During the trial, Charles Gatto, maybe, maybe one of the only salient, sane things this uh, murderous, horrible person ever said. He said... The doctors killed Garfield. I just shot him. Wow. Good defense, actually. <laughs> they should have ran yeah, with that. I mean, then he talked for 72 days and then went round and round. Like round, a round, song. round. Yeah. Right? They, they brought in all these experts. And then they had, like, the dude. They, they finally brought in, like, the regular old man psychiatrist. He's like, yeah, people hear voices. And um, So, he, wait, no, did, do you think he actually died from lead poisoning? That's what I want to know. Don't speak Gar- your out. <laughs> Garfield? No, no. I love yeah. how you always you always wait until I drink to ask me a great question. Um, holy mackerel! What did he die of? Because this wouldn't have been like blood loss, right? Because obviously he lasted longer than seventy nine days. He's a he was a strong man. He's six foot, you know. Uh, so, so this wasn't lack of blood. So the uh, genius doctor didn't let uh, anyone look on the left side where the bullet was. There were no antibiotics in the 1880s. There's that. Mm-hmm. Um, and all their like germ fingers. Yeah, the, all the, yeah. Whenever someone gets shot, first thing you should do is like uh, wash get your, your hands. disgusting. No, get your disgusting hands and jab it in there. 12, 12 different people. So um, he would have lived. I think maybe if it was the nineteen, like early nineteen hundreds, uh, honestly, I think if it if it was not Doctor Doctor, it was not Doctor D, then he probably would have lived. So, what and if so, they would have just stitched him up? Do you think he would have survived? Hard to say. Seventy nine days is a long time. Oh, you know, one thing I will say is that I did discuss McKinley's case with a couple surgeons, and they said you can leave a bullet in there. Like, okay. yeah, I know. I, I have patients with bullets in them, but I'm talking about McKinley in, like, 1900s. And they're like, yeah, that shouldn't have been, you know, whatever problem. I'm like, yeah, but it was, like, 1901. There was no antibiotics. <laughs> that was the problem. I'm like, I'm not saying, you know, 
dish the bullet out or whatever. Anyway, so that's uh, when the lead hits you. <laughs> Doctor House, you have nailed it. So uh, yeah, Charles uh, Charles Gateau, he goes he goes to the gallows, and holy mackerel, I don't want to give this guy his last quote and all that. All I will say is that uh, he gave this speech. Really, I, I mean, again, people say. Oh, he had neurosyphilis. Obviously, he was mentally ill. He escaped. He escaped from an insane asylum. That place should be sued or whatever. Uh, he gave this speech. I am going to the to the lordy. Oh, he gave it like a, like a little Multiple. boy talk. Maybe it's Lord I, like cacti. No, no lordy. No, no, like a little kid talking to a dad. I am going to the lordy, and it was super weird. And um, he was on a journey. <laughs> This is literally at the gallows. He's he's going. That's a done deal, right? And uh, he gives this like weird speech. And at the very very beginning, towards the beginning, <laughs> he's like, "I wrote it. I wrote this this morning. I wrote I wrote I wrote this at ten a.m." <laughs> it's just it's a crazy guy. And then the story goes is that once he was hung, then you know the crowd was with it. And then and then once he was dead, the crowd was like. He was probably crazy. I don't know if we did the right thing there. <laughs> we should have locked him up forever. Uh, Sean Esquire, the plaque for the situation. So remember Alexander Hamilton and he had a duel? Mm-hmm. Right? And, the and there's rails. like co- commemorative. I nailed mm-hmm. it. I didn't think I was going to be able to get that. I did it like like the plates. There was a commemorative plaque out there. Hey, there's a duel, Alexander Hamilton. Up there it is. Yep. McKinley, does he have a plaque? He probably does. Shitty plaque. <laughs> like yeah, where he got it's... shot. Yeah, it's, it's on the ground. It's on a rock. It's on the in median. A, in a median under a trash the can. Plaque for Garfield. What does it say? Here is where Garfield, not the cat, was shot. Stop doing that. Stop doing that when I'm drinking. Um, no plaque, Sean Esquire. No Damn. plaque for you, Garfield. You were only president. You got inaugurated on the 4th of March. You got shot on July. Like You had 200 days. No plaque for you. God, it's terrible. You know what? If I become president, I'm going to get a plaque for him. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. There's there's a real thing in, uh, in D.C. to do that, by the way. They're, okay. they're working. They're working on. It. You know how DC is like super fast and efficient with things. Oh, remember absolutely. That time, remember that time that our president was murdered in in 1881, and then in 2023 they were like, I think maybe uh, let's have a committee to meet hmm. to discuss forming a exploratory I'm my congressman and tell him I want to determine a meeting to determine the meeting, and then we will. Get a focus group and like that. That's that's DC. That's how DC works. Stupid stalwarts. Stalwarts. Let's just make our, just make our own plaque and go put it out there. Did you not notice I worked stalwarts in the whole thing, man? Come on, get on the get on the I love, bus. I love Hogwarts. <laughs> Nailed it. There we are. And then so uh, no, there's no plaque there, but at least Sean Esquire, the gun that killed Garfield, the 44 bulldog caliber revolver pearl mm-hmm. handle because the murderer guy 
Guto was like, I get the pearl handle so that, you know, hot dog chicken sandwiches, because that's how he would speak. He was a crazy guy. So the gun, where is it? The it was stolen. Gun was given to the Smithsonian. You know, the Smithsonian's like super awesome, and they have whales mm-hmm. and dinosaur bones, mummies, NASA and... space things. They have everything, man. I love the Smithsonian in DC. I love that. That's my favorite museum, natural history, and they have freaking T Rex and everything. They lost the gun. The gun is lost. So where is the gun that shot Garfield? It's gone. Where's the plaque for Garfield? Not there. Not Calls there yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love your awesomeness, Sean Esquire. It's so good. I'm gonna have a plaque made. We're gonna go travel to DC, and we're gonna put a we're gonna put a plaque there. Yes, tonight. Let's what are you go. doing? I'm gonna be in your place in ten minutes. We're gonna do this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sean Esquire, a huge loss to this country, to humanity. James Garfield, as a God fearing man, a loving man, died in horrible pain. And uh, like we discussed, he's very uh, he's a progressive guy, interesting dude, and brilliant. And I don't disagree. There's a lot of historians that have said the smartiest of all the smarty pants. Well, I mean, you know, there were pantaloons in the early days. Mm-hmm. So, right, there's pantaloons and then the pants, and then slacks, and then uh, the um, the weird the capris. They're probably like some capris or anyway. So. Uh, yeah, this uh, James Garfield, brilliant guy, 49, dies at 49. And his mom outlives him. The mom that he had to like walk up and down Carry the stairs. around. Yeah, I don't know who took over that job. That's a weird job. Maybe like when he died, she was like, I'm fine. I just wanted, some, I just wanted more time with my president's son. <laughs> <laughs> like she just used that time to nag him in the ear when he carried her up the stairs. She was like, you should like you should really cut taxes. Just cut taxes. <laughs> she would just nag him all the time. So I'm sorry. That's not fair. James Garfield's mom's ghost. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. And um, yeah, I agree James Garfield. You. We'll get him a plaque. Okay. Oh, oh, wait, by the way. Okay. Oh, I'm the first one to made a Garfield joke. Uh, yeah. So the grandfather of the dude, I think Jim Davis made Garfield. His grandfather was named Garfield after James Garfield. There, so oh, they, they, that's why they he named go, the cartoon. There you go, Smarty Pants. Oh, hey, by the way, also, um, why did Garfield brain... the cat not have an affliction for <laughs> squirrel stew instead of lasagna? Sean Esquire, if you rearrange those uh, letters, you make an amalgam of that. It spells squirrel stew. Garfield lasagna. There's no, a no, cue. No one knows. So, <laughs> also, uh, I want to point out, I didn't know this. There's a Johnny Cash song about James Garfield, Kenneth Squire. Mm-hmm. Did you listen to it? Do you listen to the stuff I sent nope. you? you? <laughs> I saw you sent it. I saw you sent it. <laughs> I want to cut and paste that forever. <laughs> Every email from from my boss or whatever's going on, saw I saw he sent it. So yes, everyone, there was a, a Johnny Cash song about about Garfield and uh, tragic tragic loss. Number one, number two, uh, his wife went on to um, make the first presidential library. So 
Yeah, that's how much like you know writings and everything had. James Garfield, not the mistress, her. right? Uh, who knows what she was writing? Uh, and then and then who takes over for old uh, old uh, Jay Garfield? Odie, President Odie, Chester Arthur. That yeah, common nickname is Odie. Insane sideburns. Yeah, that was the thing. Is that is that uh, Charles Gateau? He was like, oh. Uh, Chester Arthur, Arthur, he's like a stalwart, and then once, uh, once I kill stupid Garfield, then the country will be united, and then the Republican Party will be saved, and the stalwarts will be saved, and then uh, and Chester's gonna, he's gonna bail me out. Everything's gonna work out, stupid, crazy guy. So yeah, they have um, they have parts of uh, <laughs> the brain of uh, Charles uh, Guteau in D.C. and Philly. Mm. So they kept his uh, brain and spleen and whatever they have it on in jars. Oh, by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this in the trial, the seventy-two day trial. They, in terms of like proof, you ever been to a trial and they're like, we need we need physical evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they produced the spine of Garfield and the bullet that they finally got out because the bullet was on the left. The bullet was by the pancreas, and the stupid doctor doctor guy was like, it's probably on the right. No one can look at the left side, including you, Alexander Graham Bell. Alexander Graham Bell was like, I don't need this shit. I invented the phone, and guess what else? Three seconds later, I invented phone sex. We don't know yeah. that. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry. That's not that's not a nice thing to say. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying that like conspiracy people have said that. I'm not saying me. Alexander Graham Bell was like, hey, <laughs> 30 seconds into the invention of the phone, he's like, what are you wearing? That's not. I'm saying online people say that. Joe right. Squire, get get in there. Look alive. <laughs> okay, that's it. <laughs> I am. I'm very torn up about James. Well, well, we, 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 do have, we do have to get to a current event briefly. Oh yeah. I, uh, I mean, I have one or two. There's only oh, one thing a, we really need to talk about. Yeah. Well, yes, two. Uh, Aliens. Okay. So a couple things. One is dumb. Okay, I'm an a, I'm like UFO alien guy. Love you love the show. You'll know that. Uh, yes, I'm a believer. And then two, uh, so dumb and fake. And then the U.S. media, whatever was going on, they're like, hey, uh, don't look at the stock market or or don't look at a uh, whatever <laughs> real thing is going on. That uh, they're like, look look at this paper mache dumb fake e. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like the media is really cranking up the bullshit factor, which means that I always think uh, there's an asteroid headed for the Earth because the Earth has been you know, destroyed like seven times and so probably do. Uh, then whenever they start cranking up like Kanye West got a new haircut, details at 11. Like that's how I feel stupid media is. Anyway, so um, the Mexican alien thing is horrible and dumb. By the way... Oh, for those who don't know, there was some big... Uh, congressional, I don't know what you call it, but congressional type hearing in Mexico about aliens. And this guy Mui, said, Mui Grande congressional, uh, si, si, senor. they presented small depiction. Or this guy said, I, I, I discovered this alien, I, I dug it up, and this is no, me, no, me gusta fake aliens, and it looked pretty fake it, so, okay look it doesn't matter it looks or whatever they ran it 
The media, the U.S. media, ran that stupid and, story, and their government you know, had a hearing on it. Right. So, I mean, Mexico does Mexico stuff, whatever. The U.S. picked that story up, and they were like, "You're not going to believe what's going on right now." And like, we just had real congressional hearings, China Squire, oh, from literally a, t- a top gun pilot, a top gun pilot, right, and another guy that had been in the like. Uh, higher echelons of intelligence mm-hmm. for 14 years and uh, those guys testified to American Congress and they didn't show up with like a sock puppet and they're like oh, <laughs> oh, oh look what's going on over here <laughs> like alien proof there it is here's a here's paper mache that my eight year old kid made in Mexico <laughs> like, why does the alien have a Coca-Cola <laughs> <laughs> emblem on its leg. Why does the alien have a Band-Aid mixed in like a gross Band-Aid mixed in with the rest of its paper mache? So very, like, that pisses me off, man. I believe in aliens and, again, I've said they're here, maybe they're in the ocean. Yeah, they came in around. during that, that tear in the electromagnetic yeah. field that CERN created. Ah, oh, man, CERN's all about, like, a ghost and a devil and demons and um, you know vampires and stuff like, mm-hmm. I mean, advanced beings—they're like blasting out of CERN, right? They're right. not going to be—they're not going to be visible. They're going right. to be like Predator. Remember mm-hmm. Predator? And, yeah. And it, I think I don't know. Just like talking about this, I'm going to go outside and rub mud all over my body right now, just so <laughs> that the CERN aliens don't see me. Sean Esquire, you're so dumb. You're so dumb. You're walking around without mud all over you. You're gonna get murdered first. I'm gonna be totally fine. It's like going to H E B and like buying groceries. I'm just covered in mud. Like everything's everything's okay over here. Ninety nine percent of humanity is dead. Me and everyone that's seen Predator, we're fine. Oh, (laughs) I forgot. It's been so long since previous uh, podcast episode, but I got to give a quick follow up. On current events, uh, Ken Paxton mm. was not impeached. Oh, he so, was not impeached. He was not impeached. There was a quick vote. Uh, nothing happened as far as that 16, goes. 17 accusations or whatever they called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 17 uh, articles. Articles. Articles? Articles of That's impeachment. Yeah. So he'll buy some time until the feds get pissed off, I guess. Yep. Who knows? That's pretty oh. much where it's at. Current events, couple things. Uh, Trump did not go to Republican uh, fighting number two debate. Debate fighting. Trump did not go to Republican debate fighting number two. Word, mm-hmm. The word fighting. They were going to do fighting with words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he didn't go to one. Um, he didn't go to two, and he's not going to the third debate. Watched ten minutes, and I was just like, "My God, no, no, <laughs> these guys." I don't know what's going on with our country, Sean Esquire. I just want a normal dude. Can I not have an 80,000-year-old man or like a billionaire that doesn't know what milk costs or like a fat, rambling Jersey dude? That, just... that's, that's why I need to run. Be like, I came from nothing, and my platform is put a plaque for Garfield. They, yes. People are going to be like, I like this guy. Why you you have to show up with your silver tongue? Okay, number one, you're a lawyer. That's like ninety mm-hmm. percent of it, right? And then and then check out this math. You have like real law stuff. Like you didn't just like take like a 
10 question scantron like they did in the <laughs> 1880s. So there's like another 90% right there, mm-hmm. right? And then on top of that, you, uh, you your tie collection yeah. is pretty good. I'd like 7 out of 10, 7, 7.5. Your tie, tie selection, I think you should wear wacky, um, wacky fish tie. Friday, mm-hmm. wacky Hawaiian Friday tie to court all the time. That should be like, <laughs> you yeah. like you wear bow ties. I do. That's to, great. <laughs> to court. Do you wear bow ties to court? Yeah. Oh my God. What's wrong with regular ties? I have those too. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. No, man, I'm, you know, in my in my younger bachelor years, I would I would put on a suit and tie on the weekends and go out. The problem like, oh, is, if I run for it, then they're going to be like, "Hey, everyone, listen to their podcast." So maybe mm-hmm. I, maybe I run not for the intention of trying to win it, just to get followers. Oh my God, Shannon Squire! It's one of many reasons. Number one, why I love you, and number two. As we've discussed, you don't need any more friends. I don't know why you keep doing that. You're just hurting. You're hurting yourself. <laughs> you're taking a step backwards. I don't know. I don't like it when you have other friends. Shannon Squire, I do not have any movies to review this week, but I do want to say I finished the series Dope Sick on Hulu. Oh, I this one. Yeah, um, that's they smoke too much weed and then feel <laughs> sick. Dope sick. Kind of. Uh, it has a uh, Michael Keaton. Who you might know as uh, Batman, Mr. Mom. Know him as Mr. Mom. Yeah, Mr. Mom and Batman. Do you know Mr. Mom? Absolutely. So good. Absolutely. Oh, yes. And he was uh, amazing, amazing Batman also. Probably, oh, we've had this conversation, I know. Uh, better than Clooney. Uh, Michael Keaton. Yes. You think Christian Bale is the best Batman out of all the Batman? Thousand percent. A thousand percent. Wow, you didn't have to think about it. No, uh, hands down. Yeah, I can't. He's, I can't. He's the well, Dark Knight. Well, because because of Christopher Nolan. I mean, he has the director. Good direction. I mean, good. Okay. It was darker. It was grittier. Michael Keaton had Danny Elfman in his Danny Elfman time, like his real like golden time. Yeah, so. still not as good. Yeah, okay. Bateman. All right. What about the new guy? Like the uh, I'm, I'm I, no. I tried to oh my god. I tried to watch that on the plane, on the on the very, very long, horrible plane ride. When you go overseas, you have to take a horrible plane ride and it's the worst. And mm-hmm. I can't say this as a physician, but I will say some people online have said maybe two fist ambien and Benadryl and it's a nine hour flight <laughs> and there's going to be a layover in Amsterdam. Anyway. So, uh, I, I try to watch the, um, the goth vampire, or whatever guy, like it, like Back half in. an hour, like not halfway into it. And, uh, yeah, uh, it pass hard, hard pass on for me. Uh, yeah. Dope sick with Michael Keaton on Hulu. Genius. Amazing. Amazing. He's he's always been just what's a phenomenal. What's the plot line actor. here? What, what's what oh, are we talking? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is the uh, opioid crisis of the U.S. that I had to deal with for many years, and the Sackler family, who 
basically made it happen and they they were pushing uh pushing oxycotton and pushing and they made these horrible claims well, i say horrible claims these lies they, they just published lies and then this story is amazing when well, number one is true number two they just suckered so many quote-unquote smart doctors and they said oh the american pain association says that this medication only causes addiction one percent and they kept pushing that and pushing that and pushing that and pushing by the way also spoiler alert it's only seven or eight episodes but the first three four episodes the sackler pharmaceutical they would get you know we don't know what to do about this uh people are saying that they're not uh the medication is not working the pain medication this schedule two opioid is not working and they would say episode two they say we're gonna double it 20 to 40 episode three we're gonna go 40 to 80 and then after that sean esquire i don't i, I don't know how to do math beyond that. I, I think i did enough math for the day i don't know mm-hmm. whatever yeah, happens after doubling it, tripling it, <laughs> quadrupling it. yeah so um dope sick on hulu michael keaton is just i think every actor on that is phenomenal it's a real story thousands of people died thousands and thousands of people needlessly needlessly died they rolled it out they rolled out uh oxycontin in these poor communities uh mining communities farming communities these people didn't know any better. the doctors didn't know any better because they told them american pain association says blah 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 blah. no spoilers there might be at least one doctor in there that gets a gets addicted and um yeah uh 10 out of 10 stars. I didn't, it's one of those things snuck up on me. I didn't know it was going to be that good. I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. And acting, amazing, writing, amazing directors, all of it. So Dope Sick, Hulu, uh, Tragic, and True. So Jenna Squire, I am, I am calling it. I am saying Shiner Oktoberfest wins the day. Fantastic. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can't doubt you on that. On that note, I think uh, thank you. Yes, we love love you. The world is a better place with you in it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being with us. Uh, Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. We have huge things coming. And China Squire, you, your beautiful face, everything about you, you're you're the best ever. I don't know why I keep... Why do you need other friends? Stop talking to other friends. That's not that's not okay. If I can't have you, no one can. Shadow Square, love you. Love Good night. You. Good night.